Imagine walking into your office building, or rather, a smart office building. The doors open automatically, no keycard. The elevator arrives and takes you to your floor without you pressing any buttons. The lights and air conditioning come on as you walk to your desk. Maybe the windows tint as the sun moves during the day. In some buildings, all of that is already a reality, thanks to a network of sensors and cameras hooked up to the internet. This kind of tech could make office buildings a whole lot more efficient. But if a building becomes essentially a giant computer, that could create new risks, too. Joining us to discuss the trend of smart buildings is WSJ real estate reporter Conrad Putzier. Hi, Conrad. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It seems like everything these days is, you know, smart in some way or another. But when it comes to smart buildings, can you just actually lay out what are we talking about? It's a great question because no one really has like a great definition of what a smart building is and everyone has a different definition. In my mind, a smart building is basically a building that's like an internet connected device, like your phone or like your tablet, but on like a gigantic scale. So what that means essentially is that it's fully wired, has a bunch of sensors, has all these components and gadgets that are connected to the internet, like facial recognition cameras, smart elevators that know where to send you. And most importantly, that this whole thing basically has a single software overseeing it. Sort of like the way you have an iOS for your iPhone or a Windows for your computer, there is a single software overseeing this entire building. So can you give us an example? I mean, is there one of these buildings out there somewhere that if we walked in, we'd have that kind of experience? Yeah. So I visited this office building in Charlotte where uh, Honeywell, which is a huge, huge company, has its headquarters. They just finished it last year. And when you walk in, it's unlike any office building I've been in before. So the first thing that happens is you have these turnstiles, right? Look like normal turnstiles. But instead of some sort of card reader where you have your key card, there's a facial recognition camera that recognizes your face. And then it not only opens the door, like it recognizes that you're an employee, that you have access. It also hails the elevator because it like matches your face to your actual desk and it knows where your desk is. So it'll hail the elevator for the floor that you normally go to. And there's so many other things in the building, like they have, they have these sensors in every single room, right? They have like more than 300 sensors per floor. And in conference rooms, they have these sensors that not just track humidity, temperature, but also particles and CO2 levels. And one of the people who toured me around, just like to show me what it looks like, exhaled in one of those sensors so that the CO2 levels went up in that sensor. And then immediately you could hear like the AC starting to buzz to suck in more outside air because the smart building essentially recognized, okay, something's off with the CO2 level here. We got to suck in some air to like make sure everyone stays awake and doesn't like fall asleep at their desk. So this is a building really, you know, interacting with the people who are inside it. But why would a company want to put all the money into building something like this? There's a couple of reasons. One is sustainability, right? So the idea is basically... If you have a building that's somewhat intelligent, you can save a lot of energy and, and carbon emissions. So if you have smart elevators that can sort of uh, intelligently decide uh, who's going to be sent where at what time, you can put more people in a single elevator. You don't have as many trips that saves you energy. So sustainability is one big, big advantage and one big reason why this is becoming more common. The other thing is companies are more than ever trying to convince people to come to the office, right? Especially during the pandemic the rise of remote work, everyone's been stuck at home. And people who are stuck at home are comfortable there. 
And they're increasingly used to an environment where, you know, their homes are smart, right? You have your smart speakers, you maybe have a smart doorbell, you have all your gadgets and devices that you're used to. So that essentially creates competition for companies and for landlords who want to get people back to the office. They essentially have to say, all right, well, if you want to, if you want to get you back to the office, we have to make sure that this office building is up to date, that it's nice, um, and they have to make sure the building is enjoyable. But if I work in one of these buildings, or I guess even if I'm just a person who visits one of these, it seems like I'm giving up a lot of personal information. I mean, certainly, you know, my face is being picked up. What are companies doing to ensure that privacy is protected uh, for the individuals going into these smart buildings? Privacy is a huge issue, of course. At this point, we've all sort of accepted that when we go on the internet, there's going to be cookies and trackers that sort of track everything that we do. We don't really think about that privacy issue when we walk into a building, right? We're not like assuming that like cameras and sensors track our every move, but that's exactly what's starting to happen. So privacy is a huge issue going forward. I spoke to Honeywell about this and they basically say that the system is set up in a way that they can't ever track pull data on individual people, right? So the building will recognize you and send the elevator to your floor but Honeywell can't like log in and see like, oh, like which floors was this person on at what given time? When were they in the office? That sort of stuff. And then one risk, of course, is that even if the company decides not to track it, there's the chance and the risk that criminals might hack into these sensors and these databases and basically pull this information. And, you know, someone might know where you were at any given time in this building. Yeah, tell me more about that, because I think it seems so obvious that hacking might be a problem once you've turned a building into a giant computer. So how are these companies keeping their buildings safe? Hacking is a huge risk for these smart buildings, and, and it's really a challenge that everyone has to deal with. Part of the issue here is that a lot of these office landlords aren't incredibly tech savvy, right? So they, they've embraced these smart buildings because they're supposed to be energy efficient and they're supposed to be appealing to tenants. They buy all this technology, wire up their buildings with sensors, but then they don't have a lot of employees that are actually good at cybersecurity and know how to secure this sort of stuff. And, and often they're very keen to save money and keep their expenses low. So that's another reason to not spend money on security. And that's a really bad combination because you have these incredibly smart buildings that have all these vulnerabilities, right? And it's kind of hard to figure out how many attacks there have been so far because from what I hear, often companies and landlords just don't want to talk about it, right? If they were hacked or there was a ransomware attack on like their HVAC or their elevator, they're not going to broadcast that unless they have to. But I do hear that it's a very real risk. And there's also the risk that as defenses around like cloud computing and other online technology becomes better, hackers will have a harder time hacking into like you know, cloud servers or databases, and they might pivot to smart buildings because they recognize, all right, this is like this big new thing. There's all this data, there's a huge opportunity, and they're not as well defended. So that's a big danger. The federal government's been paying a lot more attention to, you know, cyber attacks and the risk of ransomware. Are they also paying attention to smart buildings now? Yes, uh, the federal government for sure has been paying more attention to this. I spoke to Lucian Niemeyer, who is the Deputy Secretary of Defense in the Trump administration. And he recalled this meeting that he had with James Mattis, who was the Secretary of Defense at the time, where Mattis basically identified smart infrastructure, smart buildings as a huge vulnerability. And one risk, of course, is that you're starting to get all these smart building technologies in government buildings, right? So someone could hack into the Pentagon hypothetically that way, right? 
But the other risk is just that the broader economy is impacted by this. There have been attacks on infrastructure already, right, on pipelines. Hypothetically, you could see hostile governments attacking, you know, office buildings across the city to just like harm the U.S. economy. It's a real risk. And Lucien Niemeyer, the, the former deputy secretary of defense, he launched this working group when he was in the Pentagon to kind of figure out ways to better defend smart buildings. And that's continued for sure. All right. That was our reporter, Conrad Putzier. Thanks for joining us, Conrad. Thanks for having me. Get a job. I got two. You can't get one. I would give you laid ass for the mine, but if you fucked up and get laid off, they wouldn't have another nigga for 10 years. The latest jobs report for April shows the U.S. capping a year of solid growth. Employers added 428,000 jobs in April, and the unemployment rate remains steady at 3.6 percent. That's a pandemic-era low. But as the economy recovers from the pandemic, inequality persists. Black unemployment stands at 5.9 percent. That's close to double that of white workers. For more on this, I'm joined by Maurice Jones. He's the former Commerce Secretary of Virginia and a former Housing and Urban Development official. Jones is now the CEO of an organization called 110 which seeks to close the opportunity gap. It's great to have you with us here in studio. Thanks, man. And I want to start with this. What accounts for this disparity in, in, on, in, in employment and in wages? The disparity is really about the holistic picture of blacks in the economy today, right? You have to have quality training. You have to have access to transportation. All of those things impact one's employment, one's wages, one's ability to get to a job. And so all of those things have to be addressed in order to really close this, if you will, employment gap that you're seeing. And so how is 110 seeking to do that? And, and we should say your organization is trying to get one million African-American workers into sustainable, successful careers over the next 10 years. Over the next 10 years, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So one of the challenges is, in fact, of systemic barriers. If you look at black talent in the workforce today, ages 25 and above, 76% of us do not yet have a four-year degree. So you literally have a systemic barrier in the form of a credential to black talent, and by the way, other talent of color, earning their way into the middle class. Uh, how has your organization sort of stepped into the breach here and helped people? What we're doing now with companies is challenging them to re-credential their jobs. So a real concrete example is we now have, I'll, I'll give you an example without naming a company, we have a healthcare company, a major healthcare company that has operations not only in the U.S., but also um, outside of the country. They now, as a result of joining 110, have decided that they're going to reposition, rebuild all of their jobs from a skills-first perspective. Hmm. That means that now where they have some jobs that require you to have a certain academic degree to actually enter, if there are additional ways that you could actually get the skills for those jobs, they're going to remove that academic credential as a requirement for the job. I think your personal story is in many ways instructive and inspirational. You were born into a, a small uh, farming family in, in rural Virginia. Mm -hmm. 
worked your way up, ultimately was a Rhodes Scholar, and then became a leading voice in politics and business. What were the inflection points in your career? The first inflection point is my grandparents, right? My grandfather, born in 1914, by the way, went to school in a barn for six years, and then because of his color, had to go to work, could not go to school. Grandmother, born in 1919, went to school because she could walk. She went to the segregated colored school. Another inflection point for me, though, was when I was 14 years old, eighth grade, I uh, was on the debate team in my junior high school, and a science teacher introduced me to a senator, a state senator, and said, hey, we think you sh would be a good candidate to be a page in the General Assembly. Wow. I had no idea what a page was. <laughs> the only page I knew of were the ones in books, so I looked right. at them real strange, like, what are y'all up to here? <laughs> but I went off, and I became a page. And during that time, I saw all these lawmakers now, my 14-year-old, with law degrees. And so I concluded, wow, if I want to make a difference in the world, I better try to become a lawyer. And so my ambition to become a lawyer was forged because this eighth grade science teacher introduced me to a state wow. senator. Um, so It goes back to that notion that you can't be what you can't see and that people need to be able to see themselves in these different environments. Yes, it also goes yeah. back to that notion that the notion of being self-made I just don't know any self-made folks. I'm definitely not self-made. All of these people, my grandmother, my science teacher, my coaches, my professors, they made me. Um, and so that's the key. And the other piece of it for me is you can start anywhere. And if you've got people who love you and who will invest in you, your opportunities are certainly going to, to your point, they're going to outstretch your vision. That's for sure. Yeah. And now you're trying to provide similar opportunities for so many other people. I'm trying so. to keep telling my grandmother and grandfather thank you. Yes. Maurice Jones, thanks so much for coming in. Jan, this is Angela Martin from Accounting. Mm -hmm. Look, we have a rebate from the Federal Work Opportunity Program, and no one knows what that means. And we get that money for hiring an ex-convict. I didn't hire an ex-convict. Unless they mean Toby, convicted rapist. <sighs> I'm just kidding. Last week. Okay, that's when the branches merged, so Josh must have been taking advantage of this program. Smart move. One of the Stanford people is a criminal? Hey, Jan, speaking of Stanford, Hannah brought in her baby. Jan, which one of the new employees is a criminal? A reformed convict, and uh, I'm not sure. So hang on, let me email our HR. Stay on the line. Martin? You're such a racist. Wait, why am I a racist? Because you think he's black. He is black, right? And stop it, stop he it. Was the right one stop, stop it right now. Yeah, don't. Okay, it's someone named Martin Nash. Yeah. Michael? Why did the convict have to be a black guy? The red-hot labor market has employers recruiting furiously for workers and considering applicants they might have passed on before. As On Lee Herring of member station WESA reports, there's evidence businesses are opening up positions for people with criminal convictions on their records. Brandy White lives just outside Pittsburgh, and when she returned last summer from seven years in prison, she figured she'd be locked out of her previous career in patient care. It was painful to think about. My passion is to help people. 
and I didn't think it was ever possible again. Instead, White got a job on a chocolate factory assembly line that left her feeling pretty empty. Eventually, she enrolled in a job training program to see if she could find fulfilling work elsewhere. She was surprised when the program staff told her Pittsburgh's biggest health system was looking for employees just like her. And I said, listen, do they know about my drug charge? And they had to keep reassuring me, Brandy, they know, because it just didn't seem real. White started as a patient care technician at a University of Pittsburgh Medical Center hospital last month. UPMC's Dan Lavalle says her timing couldn't have been better. We have 14,000 unfilled positions at the current moment that we're trying to recruit for, so we need to get creative. You know, and for us, it's about making sure that people who have barriers to work can see a future with us. Lavalle leads an effort at UPMC Health Plan to support job seekers who face obstacles such as past convictions. The initiative started the year before the pandemic began, but given the current labor crunch, other employers are also seeking out people with records. Amy Kroll has witnessed this shift from inside the Allegheny County Jail in Pittsburgh, where she runs reentry services. She remembers getting a call last summer from a business owner. I was like, do you know you're calling Allegheny County Jail? He kind of chuckled and said, yes, I do, but I have multiple vacancies, and you have young men and young women down there, and I need to fill these vacancies. Kroll says she soon got similar requests from manufacturing plants, construction firms, and restaurants. And there are signs it's a national trend. The job site indeed keeps track of postings that say applicants don't have to report past involvement with the justice system, at least on their initial screen. While they still account for a small share of all postings, there's a third more today than in 2019. We've actually had job candidates on our site apply for three jobs, get two offers, and then be able to choose between one or the other. And I think that's a dynamic that probably never existed before for formerly incarcerated job seekers. Harley Blakeman leads Honest Jobs, an online platform for applicants with criminal records. He and other reentry service providers say their clients are not just getting better pay and benefits, but they also have a better chance of landing jobs where they can see a future for themselves. In Pittsburgh, Dejan Arnett just started as a prep cook at a restaurant called The Porch. He says he wanted to become a chef even before he was released from prison last fall. I plan to be all over this kitchen, so <laughs> so yeah, this is a real big step for me. He says it makes a difference to have a job he's excited about. That's, that's one thing that's key with me. If I really enjoy where I'm at, you ain't never, never got to worry about me. So that was probably one problem I had when I was about 18, 19. I didn't really get the big picture. Some worry these opportunities will fade when the labor market cools. But advocates for second chance hiring hope formerly incarcerated people can avert that outcome by proving themselves in the jobs they have today. For NPR News, I'm Anli Herring in Pittsburgh. For many users, TikTok is a series of happy videos, dance-offs, pranks, mischievous animals. But employees say behind the scenes, it's a different story. U.S. staff say the unit of Beijing's ByteDance is actually an exhausting, secretive, and difficult place to work. Georgia Wells covers social media for the Wall Street Journal and has been reporting on the workplace culture at TikTok. And she joins us now. Hey, Georgia. Thanks for being here. Hey, Zoe. Thank you. 
So, Georgia, TikTok is owned by a Chinese parent company, ByteDance, but it has a lot of employees in the U.S. Can you start by describing what it is these employees do? So our understanding is TikTok's employees in the U.S., a lot of their duties are around sort of like converting products that were developed in China, but like for an American audience. Um, Other TikTok employees are working on building out their ability to advertise to Americans because the U.S. is a really hot ad market. You and other reporters at the journal, Yuri Co. and Salvador Rodriguez, spoke with current and former employees at TikTok. What did they say about what it's like to work there? Overwhelmingly, kind of what came through in their experience was like this description of this management style and kind of really demanding internal culture at TikTok that was at odds somewhat with TikTok's sort of um, public image. TikTok makes this app that clearly has a lot of really fun content. The app kind of like bills itself as like the happiest spot on the internet. But talking to all of these employees, what became really obvious was that these employees described a really kind of exacting and really intense management style at the company that made their lives really tough at times. Can you share some of the experiences that they told you about? Yeah, so, you know, there was a whole range, but, like, you know, some of the employees described sleep deprivation exacerbated by, like, really long hours, um, calls with the employees in the parent company in Beijing at all hours of the night, and also a in really intense pressure to produce and be present. And so one of the anecdotes that just, like, stuck with us the most was this woman who explained... Um, She was on her period and she had these back-to-back meetings and didn't feel kind of like she had the authority at that moment to excuse herself to go get a tampon and she bled through her pants. Another employee described his boss was asking him to work back-to-back all-nighters to finish a project and he has a very serious health condition and it wasn't until he shared medical lab results with his boss that his boss kind of let him not work two all-nighters back-to-back. Other employees we spoke with described tallying up the number of meetings they were in a week and realizing they had worked an average of 85 hours of just meetings a week during their time at TikTok and that they had to carve out additional time on top of that to finish the work that they had decided on in these meetings. How has TikTok responded to some of these claims? So TikTok has made a number of adjustments to its practices and its work culture. And the goal is to reach what it describes as building and fostering a team that is empowered to support our growing global community. And in a statement, TikTok also said, we encourage a culture of transparency and feedback and are committed to building an equitable platform and business that allows both our community and our employees to thrive. TikTok did not comment on the experiences of individual employees that we described to them. Why do employees then stick around if they say this is such an exacting workplace to be in? So TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, has been working towards an IPO. Right now, it appears that that's on pause, but it's a little bit of a moving target. And there's this expectation among employees that there could be a really big payout when that arrives. Also, some of the employees we spoke with said that TikTok is cool. It's hip. You know, they would tell friends they worked for TikTok and everybody wanted to know more. And TikTok's on fire right now. They're having explosive growth and employees said it was really exciting to be a part of that.
you know, you mentioned these long hours and the the promise of a big payout possibly with an IPO. I mean, that is why a lot of people go to work for startups. It's why a lot of people get into tech. So how does the culture that you heard about at TikTok compare to the culture at other startups, at, at other tech companies generally? Obviously, the tech industry is known in part for working people really hard and really long hours. But many of the employees we spoke with had worked previously for other tech companies like Nextdoor and Facebook and Roblox and Google. But um, the employees said that what they experienced at TikTok was so far and away more intense than the hours and the pressure they were under at previous tech companies. Georgia, how many of these challenges are just kind of you know, lost in translation issues, maybe either literally or just culturally. And this is like the boldest experiment yet of like bridging the tech cultures of China and the U.S. And so employees said that part of the challenges they experienced, they think, were just due to different cultural kind of mistranslations. And so, for example, a lot of the employees who'd come from U.S. tech companies had expected a greater degree of like mentoring and coaching around their career development. And they said that when they spoke with colleagues in China, a lot of their colleagues in China were surprised that that was something that they they sought from their boss, that a lot of the TikTok employees in China viewed that as something that like comes from within a little bit more rather than something that, you know, is is a boss's responsibility. And has TikTok said it's making any specific changes to address some of these concerns or address some of those cultural difficulties? And so middle of last year, so mid-2021, TikTok started encouraging managers to tell their direct reports to silence the notifications on their internal messaging tools when they were done with work to reduce the number of after-hours requests that they were fielding. And then also some of the managers suggested that employees block off time on their calendars to like make clear when they were going to be offline. But then some of the employees we spoke with explained that Sometimes they would do that, like block off hours on their calendar for like, you know, personal time, but that other colleagues nonetheless would schedule meetings during that blocked off time. So it sounded like it was still sort of a a work in progress to implement these measures. Another tension point for many of the employees in the U.S. that came up was translations. And so literally sometimes in meetings, you know, the meetings would be held in Chinese, but with translation options, depending on the size of the meeting, either it would be like human translation, or if it were smaller, it might be uh, like computer algorithmic translation. And some of the U.S. employees who didn't speak Chinese said that much of the nuance of these conversations would get lost when they were either listening to or reading a translated version. And so last year, there was a meeting among one of the engineering organizations at TikTok where managers were talking to employees and were like, guys, like, why are people leaving? Like, what can we do? And one of the things that came out of that meeting was um, the challenge of this translation. And so TikTok then started saying that if not everybody in a meeting spoke Chinese, that there would be an effort to hold that meeting in English. That was our reporter, Georgia Wells. Thanks so much for joining us, Georgia. Thank you, Zoe. I am seeing a lot of burnout, um, which is manifesting in like panic attacks, um, manifesting in like loss of sleep, um, inability to connect with family and friends because of so much uncertainty. Um, And because it's been three years, you know, sometimes we think like, hey, we're resilient people. It's time to like, you know, move forward. But when we experience that traumatizing event, 
still experiencing like the pandemic. I mean, a lot of us are still dealing with that stuff, although we understand what's going on logically, but our bodies and our mental health is still at a alarming state, you know, because if there's still a lot of uncertainty there, you know, um, and just going through that and living with that on a day-to-day basis. Because when you think about it, Danielle, the pandemic took us by storm. We had no, I mean, we didn't get a warning. It was just like, boom, it's here. So how do you know if you're burnt out? When you think about burnout and you want to ask yourself, am I burned out? You know, am I just tired or am I burned out? I want you to really take ownership for where you are and your behaviors. Take a two minute break and just think about how have you been communicating with the people that you work with, with the people that you love, with the people that you are connected to? How are you really handling conflict? How are you treating yourself? Are you taking breaks? Are you eating properly? Are you getting up, going to the bathroom when you need to? Or are you holding it? You know, are you abusing yourself, you know, just to get the next thing done? You know, have you really, really taken inventory of where you are at this point? And those things I think are very, very important. Um, self-evaluation, because right now, a lot of us are at a place where we're feeling like we're out of the pandemic. We can go right back to normal and we're not. What sort of coping mechanisms uh, would you recommend? Leaving a job that is very stressful, very toxic. I'm totally for that. But I like to think of when we talk about coping mechanisms, I like to break it down in like three areas, our mind, body and spirits, you know, for our minds, you know, just doing things that feed us positive input, you know, so that may mean one that we always say disconnecting from the electronics you know if you're going to read something reading something that feels good staying away from the news possibly you know a bad news things like that in your body going out in nature hiking exercising walking around your neighborhood connecting with your neighbors doing something um, that's totally different another one is when i say your spirit tuning in to that voice within that speaks to you around rest, around it's time to take a break. It's time to do something totally different. So listening to your inner voice around it's time to rest. It's time to pull back. It's time to do something different. And what are the long-term consequences of not getting help for burnout? Not dealing with it or not getting some help can really cause issues with concentration. It can cause some um issues with your ability to have positive connections. Um, It can definitely cause you to lose a lot of things, friendships, jobs, contracts. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, May 13th. 2022 so i have been told this is our weekly summit on neutralizing workplace racism i guess today is friday the 13th i mean i am not all into you know hobgoblins and you know all the rest of that like you know hey we have enough problems with racist man racist woman racist child and that's that not oh my god 
It's Friday the 13th. What are we going to do? Like, I'm not all into that. But wow, today was not a good day. But then again, none of the days have been good under the system of white supremacy. I had said I'd been having computer trouble and had navigated and had figured out like, oh, okay, I can send it in to get the repairs done. And then uh, it totally conked out right after the program concluded yesterday. I was able to upload uh, from the book club and all that. Thank goodness. Uh, And then... That was all she wrote pretty much. Uh, So it is, how shall I phrase it? A testament to Gusty's, I guess, maybe meager investment in counter-racism that, hey, all of that notwithstanding, we are here, computer troubles and all, still ready to roll. And because I was diligent on a week where we had white guests race soldier galore on Monday uh, and then had a victim of racism renege on us on Wednesday. We had the book club yesterday. I had done the audio segments that we just heard so far in advance. They were already prepared. So having computer trouble had no impact on that at all. Let's roll. Could have even done this without a phone per se, uh, without a computer at all per se, because the work was done in advance. That's it. Uh, If folks have thoughts, suggestions, problems to share, certainly no spectating. Gusty put in the effort to be here. So no spectating, Uh, particularly if you are on a job and you have figured out some things that work. If you have you're in one of those positions where, hey, you don't have people coming and putting action figures in your pen curls. They don't touch your hair. They don't have they don't touch you at all. They don't ask for hugs or anything else, really. You have a high level of organizational support. If you need anything, time off uh, to make sure that your children are okay. Time off to make sure that you are okay. Psh, think nothing of it. Take as much time as you need. We got your back. That's what they say. Please let us know. How did you do this? What do you say? They don't do any snooping about, you know, your life, how many children you have. And, you know, where did you go to school? Where did you go to kindergarten? And, you know, tell us everything about your every pet you've ever owned. How many friends you had when you were in elementary school? Like they, they don't do any of that. They're professional. We're here to work. You get great performance evaluations every time you get all your bonuses raises all of that share we need those type of tips the number 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate The number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, Let's see. Before we get to the emails, email untiljustice at gmail.com. 
untiljustice at gmail.com. We can read your commentary. Keep it anonymous if you have any concerns about being identified and all of that. Now, uh, the audio that we heard at the beginning. Uh, so first, they spoke with Maurice Jones. Uh, he uh, runs the organization 110, uh, addressing uh, labor disparities, employment disparities. All of that is phenomenal. Great. If it's helping victims of racism get jobs, training, improve their quality of life, bravo for uh, Mr. Jones. Uh, now, they asked him pretty early in the interview, they said, hey, Mr. Jones, uh, what's what's responsible for these systemic barriers? And he went on and on and on and talked about all this and it's holistic and we have to look at all of these things. I did not hear an answer to what exactly is causing these systemic barriers. It was just all these different problems that black people have. What's causing all of that? That's how you get to solving things. What is causing all of this? And then what do we need to do to fix that? I didn't hear that question answered. They went on to talk about, well, one of the things that 110 as an organization that they advocate, and Mr. Jones sounds like he personally uh, thinks would help removing certain requirements for jobs. They said things like, hey, if a job requires a four year degree, but you can have the skill set for this job without necessarily having that four year degree, then you should still be able to get that job. That's all well and good, but that really doesn't get to the core of the problem. I say that because, number one, you already have tons of white people who are not qualified and they end up getting all kinds of jobs. I mean, that is rampant within the system of racism, white supremacy. Sometimes it's outright nepotism. We heard that yesterday. Strom Thurmond, Jr., uh, and sometimes it's just, eh, you know, we look out for other white people. We had the caller in Florida. He said down at the courthouse, they had the fella like Gus T. Renegade. He, he and I shared this. They said, hey, he's unprofessional and he doesn't know how to talk to people. That's what they said. That's what they say about me. But he said, I'm still going to try and see if we can help him get this supervisor's position. I think, you know, he's got some room for growth. The other side of that is go back to what I said yesterday. Now you got the nepotism. Strom Thurmond Jr. They said he was like the youngest ever to get promoted to this position and didn't have, you know, very much experience and all that. Even white people said nepotism, nepotism. Julius Williams, black male, Essie Mae Washington Williams' husband, graduated from law school. He couldn't get a job wasn't being promoted matter of fact let me stick with our book since we just finished uh it was turn i believe it was christy turner i have to look back to make sure i get her name correct but they mentioned the savannah river plant i played the audio segment last week and they had a black female she said that I had all the qualifications. She wasn't asking like, you know, hey, I didn't go to school. I was smoking crack and, you know, I just didn't feel like going to class and all the rest. No, 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 no. She didn't say that. She said, hey, I had all of the qualifications. Degree, check. 
experience check certified check I couldn't even get an interview she went and met the white people who did get these positions they didn't even have her qualifications that's what I mean about hey let's be direct I mean that's great and all if they want to do that but I mean it's not that black people are so lame and incompetent and as I said too busy snorting crack to go to school and get these degrees we've had people like Jay Strom Thurman Ben Tillman and many 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 other white people throughout generations who have labored with great energy to make certain black people don't get those certifications and degrees and all the rest of it don't even have black teachers in fact when they talked about that they said uh 76 percent of the folks who end up getting these jobs have uh four-year degrees and i said well wait a minute now if we're talking about that this this is a problem with degrees uh black females specifically they get four-year degrees at a rate higher than almost anyone at least in this area of the world the u.s according to numerous reports that we just played on the program neutralizing workplace racism specifically so if it's a problem of degrees that's not it with the black people in total that would be a problem a problem with black males specifically that would be another one like hey be specific about you know if that's what we're trying to address if it's not well then you know hey proceed uh let's see uh uh uh, uh. Maurice Jones is a Rhodes Scholar, by the way. Cecil Rhodes. Everything is white. We can't say, they didn't say racism anywhere in the segment, but that's, and I mean literally, every word, everything that we're talking about is white supremacy, racism as a global system. Cecil Rhodes is known for white supremacy, racism across, as a matter of fact, exactly what I just said. That was all the rage for about the last decade. Southern part of the continent. Get these Cecil Rhodes statues out of here. And what is going on in the whole legacy of terrorism and making sure that Negras don't go to school. Or if they do go to school, they get a total education of white supremacy, racism. Look up to the God Cecil Rhodes. They continue. They said, now, while he's a Rhodes Scholar, his grandfather, they said, went to school in a barn. That's because of people like who I just said, Ben Tillman, Strom Thurmond, lots of white people just like that. And it was not because of his grandfather's color. It was because of white people being dedicated to white supremacy, racism. They said his grandmother went to a segregated school, whatever that means. Like, talk, talked about that a lot. Anyway, um, let's see. Oh, and then we had the great lots of rhetoric there. They said, because of support and love, which is great, your opportunities can outstretch your vision. I don't even know what that means. I do think it's logical, totally. Uh, makes sense that in generally people who have a lot of support from other folks in a constructive manner who are there to help you and help you do constructive things and expose you to things that are going to be helpful in your life 
Absolutely. Having more people like that in your life, you will probably be able to do better. Caveat about the system of racism. Um, Let's see. When they talked about the shortage of labor causing companies to turn to convicts to fill in some of the gaps like, wow, amazing times. Try to take advantage if you can. Uh, I thought it was significant that the first person they talked to in that report was Brandy White. And that was audio. So I couldn't see, you know, if Brandy White is a white person or not. But Brandy White didn't think she was going to be able to get a job. And so she gets a job in a chocolate factory before she's able to get back into the medical profession. Drug uh, conviction she had seven years for Brandy White. Could have been a white woman. Maybe not. As I said, take advantage uh, if you can. Lots of hiring shortages uh, continue. And it doesn't seem like that's going to wind down any time soon. And Brandy White working at a chocolate factory. That is so Jeffrey Dahmer. Wellsing moment. Um, when they spoke with the male later on, could have been a black male. Maybe not. Voices are not reliable in terms of racial classification. Uh, when they spoke with the male later on and he said that now he got a job that he enjoys and uh, and I mean that does make a difference when you get to get up and are excited about what you're going to do and feel like you're learning feel like you have a career you're developing and see that you're going to be growing in this field you're appreciated that makes a big difference with regards to how you invest your time and energy how you feel about all that Uh, but he said before Uh, I guess before he got in trouble and became a convict and all. And he said he didn't get the big picture. That is victims of white supremacy. Generally speaking, you don't understand racism, white supremacy, what it is, how it works. You do not get the big picture. Shout to Big L. Uh, Let's see. They talked about TikTok. Man, that brought back painful memories. Um, they talked about this uh, abusive culture. It even sounded like like they were kind of uh, what do they call it? dry snitching. That's what the young people say, isn't that it? Dry snitching, like no good Chinese. See there, dirty Chinese. Bring this old no count company over here. Have folks in here in these draconian work tradition uh, conditions. Not doing anything to develop our work culture or anything can't even go to the bathroom now that portion wow they said that they had female who was there didn't feel that she had the authority to be you know hey i need to go to the bathroom really quick just give me five minutes or what have you was on her menstrual cycle bled through her jeans i have worked on jobs where we could not go to the didn't exactly the language that they use didn't have authority to reliably go to the bathroom when needed that is a job that you need to exit and I'm not I'm talking like direct from personal uh, experience and that came up twice in the segment I was stunned but I can talk to that one directly from experience two different ways Uh, so Gus T I was working in California shout to Bay Area 415-510 So I was working in the Bay Area uh, and we had to. So 
we worked in a school system. The morning component, we would get these children, I'd say most of them non-white. Yeah, most of them non-white, most of them black children. We would get them really young, uh, like get them at like 730. We transport them to school for the beginning of the school day. And then we would break and just be like, that would be our little hour and a half. And then, bam, we'd be there working in the classroom the rest of the day, teaching all kinds of things like, wow, wow. Had to pass the CDS because you might have to teach like all kinds of things. So working there and oh my gosh, so we would get there. You would the children that you transport are not the same children that you're going to be working in the classroom with teaching, doing academic things and such. So that little like transition, dropping these little tykes off and then going to your classroom, my classroom, that would normally sometimes be the only break that you would get. I would get for. Let's see, that's nine. You might not get a break until the end of the day at three. <laughs> like sometimes that would be the case. At minimum, you might get out of three to four hours. Like that would be the case frequently. And it would not be strange at all if you did not get a break until 3 p.m. that afternoon. So it could be six hours. I would go to the bathroom right then and then go to the other class, get to it. My white supervisor, oh my God, what are you doing? You did come here, then you go to the bathroom. I'd be like, literally, hey, I have come here where I have immediately it's been like an emergency child's acting out. We got to clear the room and all this like well, like I said, you do not get a break until 3 p.m. And that's a regular occurrence. Like sometimes this is the only chance that I have to go to the bathroom. And it's, I don't care. You just get in here. I'm a white man. Nigga, you don't tell me I'm in charge of your genitals. You get in here. I continue to go to the bathroom. I think I remember telling man, Gus. I would not tell anybody to emulate this at all. Gusty was a little bit of a coon, but woo, I think I do remember telling me, telling him, hey, if you have to fire me, if that's what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. But I'm going to the bathroom. I do believe I did say that to him. That's the type of thing. Like, if you're going to say it, then I mean, hey, you're ready to leave right now. Like if they come in with a pink slip or whatever in the next five minutes, cool in the gang. No problem. But I mean, I was like, you got to be joking. Like, I'm going to the bathroom if I need to leave right now let me know and I'll get my backpack and we never had another conversation about it now the other side to this uh, white colleague we worked in the same uh, classroom same group of children same thing like I said this was not irregular same thing would happen she would come in uh, 9 o'clock sometimes it might be 3 p.m. when the children are leaving for the day when she can go to the bathroom she said she went to uh, the doctor, regular checkup or whatever, and she came back and she said she had a urinary tract infection. And she was like, man, her doctor said, uh, answer nature's call. You have to go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom. She said, well, my job, sometimes I work and we can just get another job. I said, wow. That's just facts. I mean, Anybody, I wouldn't care where it is, what the salary is, any job where you cannot go to the bathroom when you need to fear, intimidate. You don't have authority to answer nature's call. You for sure need to get an exit plan because just nothing else needs to discuss. That's not healthy. How long are you going to be in this situation? Five years, six years. 
the lady that I was working with, I don't even, she hadn't been there five years, anything like that. She had been there a short amount of time. Urinary tract infection. That is not sustainable at all. That, in my view, is just basic human rights, basic human health. The children get to go to the bathroom. Well, sometimes they see they do that to the children. Bay Area mom was telling us about that. Sometimes they let the children go to the bathroom and sometimes they don't. So, yeah, that is nothing to play with at all. That is so serious. If anyone is in that sort of environment like, hey, let's get it together. We need to get out. That is a super emergency. Talk about genital control. Uh, Masters of genital mutilation. Undisputed racist man racist woman uh, let's see they in, in talking about him they talked about all this this is such an abusive environment and they're not uh, doing anything to cultivate career development we can't go to the bathroom but it's hip to work here that reminded me of Mr. Fuller's concept of it in my view your job I mean I, I totally get uh, what they call social cachet, right? Just that name. I mean, if you can use that to develop your career or something, that's great. But I mean, if that's just something that your friends are going to think is cool until like, I am sure at some point it was probably cool to work at Enron. Right? That was a cool thing. I'm sure for many folks, it was really cool to work at Facebook for a while. Not so much now. I would encourage if you have children, when you're talking to them about employment, I would talk to them about that because there will be a lot of jobs that. Wow, that's such a cool job. That's such a hip job. Even being like a hip hop artist, like, wow, you get to make videos. And then, whoa, when you take when you look at the. Big picture, two shouts to the late Big L. Exactly, the late Big L. Let me look at this hip-hop thing. Whoa, Bismarcky dotted. What? Whoa. Shock G dotted. What? Whoa. Black Rob dotted. What? Whoa. What kind of medical? Did they get to go to the bathroom when they needed to? The big picture. Maybe this is not as hip as I thought it was. That is a really good one to talk to your children about getting a cool, hip job that they're front Ooh, what's it like to wear? And so you end up staying there way longer, even though like, man, this is the lamest job ever. Don't want a job just because it's cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, man, the burnout. Last one. We've talked about that before. So important, really being monitoring, being mindful about your health, what's happening with you. How, just everything that she asked about. Am I going to the bathroom? Am I having bowel movements? Am I having regular bowel movements? Am I sleeping? Am I sleeping too much? Am I not sleeping enough? Am I always tired? Is this irregular? Do I normally have more energy? than this how am I talking to others and I thought that was a huge one in particular how am I talking to black people that is a real big one because 
frequently. Dr. Welsing said almost reflexively, racist man, racist woman, they will put it on us. In the workplace, really everywhere, but I mean for those 40 hours that they got us, they will wear us out. And then when we come home, ooh, ooh, what did you, what? That is a big one. How am I talking to the other black people that I'm around? Am I impatient with them? Am I making those snarky comments? And am I getting on my Sanford and son heathen? Big dummy. Am I doing a whole lot like, hmm, hmm. I thought that one was re and what am I doing that is going to be healing restorative that is a big one hiking yoga what you eat that's a big one am I just going and eating fast food every day because that's when they can pull you in you know I'm feeling bad so I'm just going to go get me a hot dog and some Ben and Jerry's you know feeling Essie May talked about that you know go get me some wine Netflix not constructive not solving any problems and adding more problems to it now anywho uh, the email until justice at gmail.com I'll read one email and then we will get to cracking email is until justice at gmail.com uh, so last week I forgot one email we had so many much obliged for folks dialing in thank goodness we do not have uh, spectators uh, so the person wrote in uh, giving us uh, an update uh, so this person this is the black female victim of racism uh, who's, who's had the non-white female given orders to like spy on her and report back to the white manager this non-white female is actually supposed to be her subordinate <laughs> reporting to her um, and the white woman is trying to sabotage and all the rest of it. She's been reporting for a few weeks and trying to figure out a way to neutralize them both. So she writes in, I appreciate the feedback. Oh, and she gave us the code uh, in terms of uh, hair, right? Keeping it one way and not changing it. And then no bright colors and all that. She wrote about that as well. Uh, I appreciate the feedback on my code and agree what's required is more documentation when speaking to the non-white female and my confirmed racist manager. The suggestion to email guidance to the non-white female on her work is a good one. However, I will tweak the advice slightly. When she calls asking for me to explain stuff I have already gone over with her, I will have the conversation then follow up with an email summarizing what we talked about that way she cannot accuse me of not speaking with her which I'm sure would be the case as she's clearly not averse to making things up or twisting the narrative to suit and there is documented evidence of me advising her now I think that's great that covers your bases all the way around she continues, I will also be working on my non-verbals, shout to Emmy. Even though I was aware of how dangerous they both are, I was still shocked by the non-white females claim that I do not support her well-being or give her feedback on her work 
or she is unclear how to get how to approach me whilst at the same time stating I am unapproachable and supportive going forward I will expect the non-white female to say anything no matter how preposterous or untruthful that is the best way to proceed unfortunately the non-white female keeps stating that I am very formal that I write things down and that it's not how they do things in the organization blaming this on my newness and what I'm probably used to referring to my old employer I just have a a sly snicker to myself on that now she totally may not have been inferring this not it might just be my my ignorance and sloth (laughs) and poor education you can chalk it up to all that but what I was thinking when I heard all that was like gotta be Right. Number one, I thought of Mr. Fuller because I think he said he had been chastised about that, too. Like, man, we got this this coon over here. He just got to write down everything. What's wrong with you, old simple Simon? You just got to write down this and write down that. You're the only person writing. What's wrong with you? He said, we're not we're not supposed to write down anything. I thought they gave me a big book manual that had a whole lot of writing in it about what we're supposed to do and, and not supposed to do. Are we not allowed to write down anything? Question lane. I would love that man. Now you talk about write something down. I would love it, love it, love it. Any, I wouldn't care if it was the custodian to tell me, yes, you are never supposed to write anything down in this work environment ever. Okle dokle, I will write that down. <laughs> no pro I will get my note to self, get voice recorder. I will write that down. Can I get you to sign it just to make sure every can I get this author? Okay. No writing anything down. Man, let me look and see anybody. And matter of fact, there better not be any more memos, emails, nothing. Because we don't write anything down here, do we? See how long that lasts. The other thing while I was snickering for some anybody really to say this, like, you're just writing all this stuff down. You must be new. I don't know that. Must be how you was raised. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, like something that that retarded with me. Like, like just just that's how you was raised. I don't uh, shame. Hmm. I would not have my feelings hurt. I would not feel bad because all that little soft bullying. Like, oh, you just got to write it all down. You just so dumb. You just can't remember anything. Just got to. Yeah. Well just helps me to have a record you know what happened my memory I might forget things and just nice to have documentation and I might not even say all that <laughs> just write down what was said and <laughs> write on well things to do thank you all for coming to the meeting and we'll we'll talk soon she continues uh, let's see I responded that there is no one way. This is in referring to her writing everything down. There is no one way of working in this organization, which is clear from the staff survey. It's clear this is coming from my manager, the assignment, but doesn't make sense. The organization is very formal. Now, she has that in all capital letters. Now, I am sure they write down a whole lot of things if they are very formal 
and the, <laughs> right on cue she says the organization is very formal and things are written down of course duh it's also standard to have meeting agendas duh even for team meetings introduced by my manager as previously mentioned my manager has been meeting with the non-white female for regular catch-ups she told me the meetings would stop because she realized she was making it difficult for me to manage the non-white female that was the whole agenda to begin with and remains the agenda this was interesting as I had not mentioned having any problems I said nothing a plus she also gives the non-white female assignments but I don't always know the details so it's difficult for me to support her as her manager this is one of the issues I picked up with my manager emailing her that I would like to discuss it at my one-to-one meetings to ensure I'm supporting the non-white female effectively now that brilliant instead of having all this nonsense about we have to uh, talk about you know what you did on your free time and what you did over the weekend and uh, you know what you're going to do for your memorial day you know cookout and all the rest of that and how many hot dogs do you think you could eat in 30 minutes and (laughs) we got serious things to discuss because that right there can end up being huge I'm supposed to be managing this person But then you come in and do co-managing different assignments that I don't know anything about and all these details. Now, if she gets confused on that, does she go to me or does she go to you? If she gets confused about that, does she attribute her confusion to me or to you? If I am supposed to clear up all of that, how much detail do I have about your project and assignments to then go in effectively manage her out of any issues conflict it's just lots of different ways where white people keep recognizing who is in charge the white woman the white woman where they keep coming up with these ways of creating conflict where it can end up being conflict with a non-white person where they're instigating it and or just sending you go in and snoop on and snoop on and snoop on and all of this and then if you get mad or what have you it's focused on her they are brilliant master deceivers where they can just stand back the whole time and orchestrate manipulate have us fighting and clawing at each other masters at it no one does it better uh, she continues more recently I requested her feedback on the non-white females performance so I could cover it in the performance appraisal she didn't give me feedback I realized after the performance review that was the case so I emailed my manager to request the feedback I knew she was avoiding it she then messaged me on zoom to say she did not have feedback as it was too soon as the non-white female is new in the post this makes no sense Either the non-white female is in scope for performance review or she is not. And she is. Otherwise, I would not be required to do it. It is also standard to request feedback from other managers if they are assigning work 
to your reportee. The fact that she typed it in the online chat. <laughs> that's so gangster. The fact that she typed it in the online chat, which is deleted after 30 days, made it clear to me she wants to keep her hands clean. She is dangerous, scheming, underhanded, and practicing racism. Absolutely. And this is what I mean where it's so important to understanding what racism is, how it works, and identifying. Yes, it's not barrier systems. It's individuals classified as white and things that they do on an everyday basis. Generally, just with words, they're practicing, maintaining, refining racism all the time every day and that's a big one right there when it comes to those performance evaluations those are so important for so many reasons if you are the best employee ever this is the time to give you your flowers and to do so in writing so that it will be forever stamped hey she is crushing it like in the history of crushed this is the most crushed ever. Like there is nothing more we could ask this person to do. Absolutely exemplary. Give them every raise possible uh, managerial track. All of that. Put it in writing. If they're lame and should be fired, this is really important so that we can give you at least one chance or maybe two to correct all of this. These are your deficiencies. Boom, boom, boom. And then let's see if we can, because that's important too. That's what's supposed to happen. Training and all of that, because it might be a training issue. If she's new, let's make sure were you properly trained if there's an issue. Any way you slice it, as she said, this is required. That's pretty much every job that I've been on. There's supposed to be some sort of appraisal. There's generally a timeline on it. It could be 30 days, 90 days, whatever it is. But as she stated, required chop chop let's get to it you've given her assignments and all this what do you think oh yeah and she you see she said she did it so tacky she didn't send an email she said this is a professional organization she didn't do it through professional lines of communication she said oh let's get on with the little emojis and things and just do a little check yeah i don't i don't really have anything to say yeah like <laughs> you this is all on you homie and again like i said that's to this uh, young lady's detriment because she does have input. She's worked with her. She has feedback. If she has any deficiencies, let's give her an honest chance to, you know, correct them. Nah, 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 nah. I don't have anything to say. Then they can wait and just hit you with the, oh, you've been late this many times and, you know, your work has been a little sloppy here. Well, nobody said anything. Well, yeah, it's too late now. We are, you know. Let's see. She says. I discussed the issues I was planning to cover with a non-white female in her performance appraisal with my manager beforehand, ensuring that we were on the same page and because I did not trust that she would undermine me. She agreed with everything I said and did the same after I fed back the outcome of the discussion. She also stated she was happy with the way I was handling things and that she realized there was a problem with the non-white female and that she had seen it before and that it may be a problem for a while. 
she also stated that she realized I was very measured in my approach and that she understood that I was trying to support the non-white female. She also said it would be good for me, whatever that meant. (laughs) I don't know what that means either. All of this whilst at the same time twisting what I said when she discussed my feedback with the non-white female before the performance appraisal meeting without telling me. This is why the non-white female came into the meeting fired up, armed with false allegations of my mistreatment towards her. I never asked the non-white female what she meant when referring to her last white female manager as posh. Remember that? I remember she said that before. Like, yeah, Becky, she was so posh. Hmm. (laughs) I just thought to myself, white identified. I've lost count of how many white people, most often females, that she has told me are nice mm, now that's another one I wouldn't have anything to mm. finally I had a white female hang up a zoom call on me at last at the last job I was talking with her and her colleague about a project that wasn't hitting its targets she was offended by my asking her to set out the plan for bringing things on track and the advice I was giving them stating she and another white female colleague are very experienced. Her face got redder and redder so I could see she was getting mad as she did not like me asking questions or advising them. Without warning, she hung up the phone. This was anger, not a technical issue. We all met a few weeks later to discuss how things were going on the project, which still failed to hit its targets, despite their experience. She apologized for leaving the meeting earlier, claiming it was a technical issue. Yeah, right. <laughs> Love it. Much of blood. See, the tackiness abounds. That's what that really, that's the same thing with her white manager who said, oh, yeah, let's get on the uh, the Zoom here. So, yeah, because I'm not, I, I don't have any feedback. I don't have any. You, you got it, sister. You go ahead and knock it out. She knows, yeah, this is going to be deleted. This is not anything. There'll, there will not be a lasting record of this conversation and me saying that I don't have any input about this employee's evaluation. That's not something that I want to keep a paper trail of. That's the same thing here. I know I can just hang up the phone, you know, say it was a tech issue. Oh, the, the Wi-Fi went out. We got all these, you know, crazy infrastructure, but then, you know, that Joe Biden, I've been saying that for a while, you know, they say whatever they want. I hung up on that nigga. Who does this nigga woman think she is coming in here telling us this? Thing. We, I don't care if I've been on the job three days. You do not come in here and tell me thus and so. And we, when are we going to hit the targets and you lay out the man? Who do you think you are, nigga woman? We've heard that over and over and over and over. Manager put that in quote. And that's another one. Just 
keeping that in mind, regardless of the job, regardless of your title, regardless of your salary, how big your office is, <laughs> Negras is Negras in the system of white supremacy and sometimes just that alone. Who is this Negra? Who does this Negra think she is? You don't boss me, Negra. I don't care if you are the boss, Negra. You don't boss me, Negra. Like that super calm. We've had so many folks who said where they've had to correct a white person. Where they clearly were incompetent. Didn't know what they were doing. and had to go to, No, uh, one plus one is not five. And they, what? Don't you, you look here. You don't come and tell me one. Plus one is five. You don't come and tell me that I got it wrong. You get out of here. Had that sort of thing. All that. Okay. (laughs) No problem. Have to go get a wife or something. Actually, yeah, they nigga did tell you the correct thing. One plus one is not five. Uh, Let's get that training done again. See, they get proper training. They will get retrained. See, we don't get that generally. Keep up the documentation. And I think also, I think. Uh, our female person who's been writing and female listener uh, in terms of not getting frustrated because she hasn't been name calling and she hasn't even been trying to sabotage like, hey, she was in position to do a performance evaluation. She could have been really punitive and never been like you are incompetent. I have to tell you things over and over again. Haven't people heard that? Right. That can be grounds right there for, hey, I don't know if we need to keep you, buddy. Like you, yeah, you, you, you seem a little slow on the uptake. You know, this is a waste of time and energy. We have to keep telling you things over and over and over. I mean, come on, what is the problem? She could have done that. That's not what she did. That's not what we heard. At least, I say, hey, kudos. That takes because I mean, hey, it can be real easy to get frustrated with other black people, especially if you feel like, you know, this person is trying to snitch on me and rat me out anyway, and get me in trouble, whatever, you know, I'm gonna give them the worst, you know, performance evaluation possible, you know, she didn't try to do that. That's some black self-respect as well. I think Bravo, uh, number again, seven, two, zero, seven, one, six, seven, three hundred, the code five, six, four, Nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bay Area Mom uh, should be with us. Uh, if you have commentary to share, Bay Area Mom line should be open. Thank you for taking my call. Greetings to you and everyone participating in the program. Um. So, I was I wrote down um, bathroom breaks. So I remember that you were talking about bathroom breaks. Um. Oh, that was so horrible. The the poor lady. Uh, she couldn't even go to the, to even sit that long. No, see, I'm not going to be able to know that I'm having knowing that I terribly need to go to the bathroom and not go, I think I just, oh, I guess it's so hard, though, because we need our jobs. But I would have to leave. I, I can't. What am I supposed to do? That is awful. And oh, Yeah, so Amazon is like that. That's the only place that I can think of that uh, would be like that unless I was working somewhere the bathroom was far, far away. Um, say like an auction lot or something. If I were working that line, I'd have to go way somewhere else, perhaps. 
remember working at uh, Oak Knoll Hospital, um, and the bath, whatever I needed was way at the hospital, and I was way <laughs> of, so heck of far away in the transportation area, so that made it, uh, yeah, I was a teenager, though. Anyway, uh, oh, and the guy, he, um, when he had to wear the mask properly, the, the, the employee was telling um, maybe uh, somebody um, coming inside to, put, you know, cover your nose and mouth. And <laughs> I have to listen to you. I'm going to tell you what to do. And then that's just like that. What are you going to do? Lose your job? So uh, I wonder... In that position, he probably couldn't say anything because I would have said, well, what is a nigger? <laughs> I don't know. So uh, I'm going to have to try that. I've never been talked to like that, but um, I'm waiting on my moment so I can practice after my response. Um, so my real case right up from um, just real quick. I, can, I had to write back and breaks down because that'll be a part of my workplace racism, um, bathroom breaks. So yesterday, a little kid in the class I was at, this is the one with the screaming, hollering lady. She was telling the, uh, uh, the child, <laughs> she's having a ridiculous time testing because she doesn't want to share the secret password with her assistant. So she's doing it and it's, it's a horrible time for her. Um, I don't know who she's tested successfully, uh, maybe a couple, but not enough. And everyone else, she should be finished or at least have like finished, but she's not. She's making it. It's ridiculous. Um, so the child that she has sitting there, he gives her the hardest time in class, him and another child gives her the hardest, hardest time in class. He's always has something to say back, doesn't listen, and always jumping, running. He speaks, I think his first language is Spanish, so he's sitting at the chair. I guess he's supposedly testing, so he's already, uh, that's probably had to drive her crazy just testing him because he's not going to participate correctly, and if he does, it's only going to be for a couple of minutes. So he sits so everything. Arranged on the kids. Oh my God, I don't. So she, uh, the, the the teacher's age, she's gone to use the restroom. She had to go to the bathroom. So she went a couple of times. She had to go to the bathroom, right? And she had to take her break. So when I'm there, I totally don't mind. Take, do all your stuff. Take your breaks. Go get a break. And take your, go to the bathroom. I don't care how many times a day it is. Go. I'm here. You can go. So she went. So the second time she went to the bathroom, the teacher's assistant, she told her, asked the little boy, oh, how many times is she going to go to the bathroom? She uses the bathroom an awful lot. So uh, she wanted to know where she was, and I'm so disrespectful. She's like, where is such and such? Where is such and such? And so I'm like, she'll be back. <laughs> she'll be back. So she so that's like, I know it's got to be because she hates me. So uh, um, that's what I do. So then some of the other kids may say, she went to the bathroom, she, you know, that kind of thing. But not me. I said, she'll be back. No, she'll be back. So uh, she's trying not to yell, but she can't hear. You guys, I'm trying to test. And she just 
this, 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 like that. So I got told that my job is not to be doing all the stuff that I do. So um, I kind of pulled back because she's already saying that I'm not doing my job because she told uh, my supervisor that this is a white figure. She told my supervisor that I'm walking around the class with my laptop and uh, I don't do anything to help her. Or and I don't um I'm not giving her what she needs. And so I told the supervisor what she wants me to do is just stack the kids up and say, Hey, you better go over there and sit down and do what she says. So the supervisor looking at me because she's kind of crazy and so I can not I can't snatch the kids up and that's what she wants me to do. Just make them listen. So doing that, so looking at me. So she said, Well maybe um she's trying to uh uh get you I said, I don't mind what she tell you about me because um, I don't care. I do what I have to do. I do my job. I take my notes. It's not me. It's her. So um, she's like, well, maybe she's just doing, you know, what she thinks that people are doing to her. I said, it doesn't It doesn't matter to me. What It doesn't matter. So um, because it doesn't matter what she says about me because I, 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 I do my stuff. And the problem is the teacher. And regardless of whatever's going on, it doesn't make sense to scream. Now, she's screaming all morning at these children because she's trying to test. And only I think maybe she got two or three kids tested. And I think they all got up because the little boy that she told the lady was going to all these bathroom breaks, uh, she said, well, you're going to have to come over here and um, retest if you're going to do this or you're going to do that. You can just come in and take your test. So he sat up there, and then she was saying something. You want to take your test? Come on, we got to take your test. And then she said something. Well, it's quiet time. And she said something to him, and he said, it's quiet time. And so I'm laughing inside because that's the uh, pair and another kid. I'm done testing. I'm done testing. No more testing. So once that happens, they don't answer no questions. Um, it's, she has a horrible time. Now, mind you, I was trained to be able to test, <laughs> administer the test. But she don't know it. And then since she doesn't want to give up her stupid power, she's, she's going crazy. So the reason why I know that she, um, she said that the, uh, the lady's taking too many bathroom breaks is because, uh, the little boy at lunch yesterday said, told her, and she said, something and then she said something to me i said what she said yeah she just told him um i take too many bathroom breaks i keep taking out sure i'm taking a whole lot of bathroom breaks because i did hear her say that's not any that's my first that's not anybody's business i don't think that's anybody's business and i just didn't understand why she was saying that because he does say inappropriate things as a fourth grader but i guess he was telling her that and then i said wow because she does she she will. Where is she? Where is she? And she so I make her so because I'm so not white identified. I give her the business constructively. It's priceless. She don't speak to me. I don't look at you. So we're even. I go up in there. I just say hi, a global hi, hi everyone. Because as soon as I come there, oh, so I try to keep them to where they're not so juiced or excited about me being there. And I, you know, just redirect and turn them around, do what I have to do. But she hates it and she hates me and I love it. And I have to be cautious because 
they all tend to stick together because my supervisor was just saying, well, you know, she was telling me because I talked to her yesterday. And um, um, when she was telling me about you walking around your laptop, I said, well, she has to, she's like, because I guess she's trying to say that I'm doing my data, which I'm supposed to do later while I'm in there. But that's not true. I have to check my email. So sometimes my I can get pulled to another school. So I have to check my email. Um, and I don't bring my phone in so it doesn't cause any issues because I remember a gentleman on the program saying something about not whatever I was doing with letting the little girl use my phone, that that was a no-no. So I stopped bringing my phone in, in the class. I just leave it in my car. So, but I have to check my email. So that's sometimes I'm, I have to, because the way she screams and yells, there is no break for me unless I take it because I have to hit all the class, all the kids because she's yelling at all the kids. So anything they do is a disturbance. So I'm never doing my job because everybody's going to make a sound or make a noise or talk loud or do something because there's special needs. But she screams and yells. Oh she was about to cry. It was awful. Just for me because all that negative energy. And um, thank you for taking my call. I'll mute my line. Much obliged, Bay Area mom. Bathroom can be a big issue. I've heard that on many jobs. She mentioned uh, Amazon. I remember that. They have lots of videos of Amazon drivers. I think, I I suspect she was talking about the warehouse, but uh, I guess, you know, same thing. Uh, The drivers uh, having like water bottles or empty soda bottles or whatever that they could drive with so they because they just they have I guess such a tight schedule and they have the GPS tracker to see where you are and all the rest of it so hey you are on that clock and so literally that's you know the best that they can do to compensate uh, if they have to go to the bathroom now I didn't even hear like what you if it should be number two as they say like whoa uh, but I was hearing the same type of thing for folks working in the warehouse as well uh, where it's really difficult going to the bathroom i've heard this with other educators i'm sure there are other uh jobs as well where that again control of your genitals and they start this at a young age like for the children sometimes like, hey you get one bathroom trip per day we're gonna be here for six hours one bathroom trip per day dang Lots of things to think about before you hit the bed. Um, I've heard that so many times in terms of a vindictive white person, white woman or white man, really, uh, in a workplace environment. And it can be anything now in this setting. uh, If you just having a uh, competent black female relates to the children they're excited you know when she comes and that because they're excited and because of that rapport that may help them be more engaged with their academic work things that they're maybe not as excited or enthusiastic about at least initially uh and then it could be a whole lot of other things just you being you know classified assigned as black having some melanin like oh my god and then if you're good at your job like oh and she's competent and i you know might have got this job on some nepotism who know i mean hey what we've heard you're working with special needs and you're in a rage constantly 
Maybe you're not qualified for this job. Maybe this is some cronyism and nepotism. Exactly as we said, now that could be really about like this nigga woman is like 50 times more qualified for this job than I am. And then, and then that dynamic is so common in the workplace. She said, I started pulling back because I found out I am doing more than what I am supposed to do according to my duties. That is so common with black people that I mean in a wide spectrum of jobs. And it's, hey, just take those two things together. It wasn't, I'm going above and beyond the call of duty. And she has such gratitude and appreciation for my hard work and just coming in here every time when I can do my best for these children. I'm on time. I'm engaged. I'm not on my phone and texting and all the rest of it. I'm here and I'm here for these children. And they're like, what are you doing? Is she in the bathroom again? Where's she at? Is she in the bathroom? Now, if my, my ears could be full of wax and got my other computer and all that so I might not have heard that right but I thought she said that the teacher got upset about her bathroom trips and the little child said that's not appropriate now come on come on now again we had already talked about I suspect that this white woman she's doing all this and gossiping and she's got her tablet out you know she's doing personal stuff on her tablet doing her notes and YouTubing and bang, bang, bang. if she's doing all that she's probably doing this in front of the children we talked about that just try to further undermine you know she's nobody you listen get all excited about this nigga woman for she's nobody and they see that and go, oh okay she's a nobody okay it's that if she's now talking about the bathroom, so the children are like, what? What? You're talking and complaining about it where she's going to the bathroom? Like, what's wrong? And I mean, hey, children, they are really honest. Sometimes they're just really logical. Like, the bathroom? Really? You're up here complaining about her going to the bathroom? That's not appropriate. <laughs> I mean, hey, from the mouths of babes, that's not appropriate. And you're up here in front of it. That's really inappropriate. That's not even appropriate for children. Like, we don't have back. We can't go to the bathroom. Now, that's the one if you want to stay in the question lane. Hey, how many bathroom trips are we allowed per day? I dare somebody to give me a number and then go to HR. Can you confirm that staff is allowed two, five, ten? What, I wouldn't care what number they said. Can you confirm that this is actual policy that we get five bathroom breaks per day. <laughs> oh, questions, man. I love it. Stay in the question. But I mean, that sort of thing is rampant. 2022, that sort of thing is rampant. And, and then they wonder like, man, why are they folks saying they don't want to come back to the workplace? People who, you know, have that uh, option, be hybrid, as they say, or work from home. Lots of reasons why. Let's see. Uh, But yeah, I love that in terms of I'm doing above and beyond. I'm going to pull back. I don't need to do, you know, everything. I'm here to do a limited number of things. This is my role in the classroom. These are the specific things I'm going to do and nothing else. I think. Awesome. I think uh, codified software developer. 
she talked about, I think she put a number on it, codified engineer that she is. She put the number at like 70%. Like that's about maximum effort that I'm going to expend is 70%. I'm not going to, uh, the metaphor, I think that break my neck for you all seeing how I'm treated and all that. I'm not going to break my neck for you in this classroom. You're out here running around in a rate. You're probably not even qualified to have this job, but whatever. I'm going to do my duties and that's it. I'm totally not surprised to hear what she wants is you to be like the Negro tough in the classroom. Like, you listen to that white woman or I'm a black woman. I'm a tough black woman. I'll, you know, beat you down. What? You know, that's what she doesn't mean, really. What kind of digress? <sighs> if anything, that's you, white woman, to just sit up here and make growl and yell uh, at students like, man, I'm trying to work with special needs children as a properly trained educator, not your Negro tough to intimidate children. Then toss them through two or three lunchables after we've properly frightened them for the day. Like, come on, that's like total prison, right? <laughs> like, woo. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, much obliged, uh, Bay Area mom. Uh, let's see. Let's give out the number again. 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND press star six one if you would like to participate uh i will give out where i will read uh, another one of our emails uh before i get our other callers let's see uh all right different person wrote in black male so he's written in before uh he works for the school uh area school area in his region and uh he drives the young children He's had some uh, tragic episodes of young racist children uh, demonstrating that they are not confused. Uh, so this time he writes, uh, I just got out of work. I had a field trip today. Those used to be the best. I took some children and a race soldier to a math quiz contest after I dropped them off at the end of my shift. I was sweeping out the bus and I found twenty five dollars on top of one of the bus seats. I immediately called the race soldier and told her that I will be returning the $25 that I found. I returned to the school and gave her the money. She looked at me and stated straight faced, I am surprised you did not pocket the money because these green notes can get sticky at times. Like you always say on the show, they see us no counts raping stealing sodomizing negroes that is about the size of it unfortunately i was listening to the compensatory call-in and the name of the book nick over the road was alluding to is a book called killers of the flower moon by david Gren. it shows at what links racist man racist woman would go in order to rob victims in the system of white supremacy of their wealth Indeed, by any means necessary, uh, I would much obliged for sharing. Uh, I would say this is absolutely the best way to go. Uh, any sort of uh, workplace situation, because this could have been a total setup. I think he'd even talked before uh, he'd written in about being cautious 
about leaving the school system because he felt if he took a job in another school system that they would do some race soldiering, uh, some Voltron effect. Hey, let me get on the phone and call my cousin who works, you know, at the other school administration and, and tell them what a no count, you know, stealing Negro. Uh, this is he was concerned that that sort of thing may happen. And that's a logical concern. So for that, like, absolutely, if it's been any, you know, sort of issue or what have you, or even if it hasn't, this could be a total setup. So, oh, he stole it. You know, he picked our pocket, got my wallet, and, you know, fifteen thousand dollars and all the rest of it. It'll inflation. You know, it started out twenty five uh, and all the so turned it in. I'm even reminded that a uh, tacky uh, old timey movie trading places with uh, Eddie Murphy. Remember the scene where he's working at the stock exchange and they drop the uh, money clip with all the Benjamins in it and he picks it up. And as soon as he picks it up, he's like, you know, this is a setup. And he almost breaks his neck. That is one time where you can, man, total breakneck speed. He was so fast. He beat them downstairs from the elevator. You drop this. Here's your money. And it was a total setup. The race soldier was so mad. I thought I had that. We get him. We'll get him. I'll try again. And the other one said, see, 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 see there. That got a good coon. See there. Brought that money back and everything. See there always bring it back like and especially man we had that whole segment at the beginning on smart buildings they will have cameras out the yin yang on the school bus camera out the yin yang and Alexa and all the rest of it like you should just assume that you're under surveillance anything like that oh yeah you will be under surveillance and we even had that was in uh Professor Danielle King, she was supposed to be a guest on the program on Wednesday. She reneged. That was in her report as one of the so-called microaggressions. It was a black female or excuse me, a black worker. I don't remember if it's a male or female, uh, but a black worker, uh, I think was a black female. She reported that some money ended up going missing and her white manager called her into his office privately and said, hey, if you just admit that you did it uh, and hand the money back over, we'll keep it out of the public. We won't let anybody know that it was you and we'll just repeat, uh, replace it. And she said she was, you know, mortified. Like, What in the hell? <laughs> God, not uh, thiefing any money. And apparently the kicker on this one is apparently there was no thief or pickpocket apparently drum roll one more time white incompetence the white I don't know if it was the white manager but whomever was in charge lost this money somewhere and then you know after a week or what have you it magically oh dropped it behind the car seat whoops sorry (laughs) didn't mean to accuse you there sorry about that nigga woman so I mean that that's what there are tons of stories of that type of thing something went missing and it's assumed to be you or whatever the case may be or uh, it wasn't even missing in the first place so yeah anything like that in the workplace if it's jewelry money I wouldn't care what it is like do not take anything I think Mr. Fuller's talked about that get a reputation for not taking anything not even pencils 
paper clips, nothing in the workplace. Get a reputation for that. Will serve you well. Let's see. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, Let's see. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Folks spectating? Not sure. Hanging out might be Friday the 13th. I don't know if other folks are... uh, mystified by the day what have you hope they're getting through it safely as possible uh let's see Mm-mm-mm. i'll get our last email in while folks are procrastinating let's see until justice at gmail.com let me not say last email because i have got caught a few times where i thought it was the last email and then other folks wrote in so until justice at gmail.com and i'll keep an eye out if other folks write in uh next email uh female victim of racism uh she writes hello to gus uh listeners and callers uh, i listened to the program on wednesday <laughs> As just mentioned, uh, Professor King should say without her, I was disappointed by her leaving the show without alerting Gus. I emailed her about my disappointment. I also asked her questions. I'll let you know if she responds. Please do. My workplace racism. This week, the white female nurse practitioner informed me and the other non-white classified as Hispanic and black nurse that she will be leaving exclamation point she stated that she was getting a signing bonus and making a hundred thirty five thousand she wanted to put it in your face i never like under no circumstances i wouldn't care if you get like your dream job your dream salary i wouldn't care if it was 135 million dollars i would under no circumstances be like oh yeah this is my exact Salary and blah, blah, blah. man, you want to talk about vindictive behavior? Oh my god! In fact, I would give as little information as possible. This is not the time to brag and put it in everybody's face. Uh, you should be thinking that no one there is going to be happy for your success. And you know what? Unfortunately, in a system of white supremacy uh, racism, it would be exactly the same. Even if you worked with eight individuals or everybody that you work with, everybody there has eight great grandparents who are all assigned to the black racial category. Even if that's the case, I'm not going around gloating and, you know, black power fist in the air and brother and Harambe and we're going to... Thank you all. It's been great. Two weeks notice. We'll get through the last two weeks in a constructive manner and, you know, whatever, whatever. But I'm not. I mean, you've got to be joking. Anywho, so she's getting one hundred thirty five. Now, this is another one. Like, is this some cronyism? Nepotism? Did she lie on the resume? I think she was showing off. This is like bowling. Showing that. This is the woman in the high castle. I want to come and splash some mud on you, nigger. Look at that, nigger. I'm going to get $135,000. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. 
She stated, let's see, I told her great and good luck to her in the process. I reached out to my attempted friend, non-white, classified as a black female, about taking the nurse practitioner position. This non-white black female will be graduating from nurse practitioner school this month. However, on Wednesday morning, the white female nurse practitioner came up to me and told me she declined the offer. (laughs) Oh no, I was pissed. I really was super excited to see this suspected racist leave. Anyways, she told me that she didn't see her sign-in bonus on the contract and she wanted to stay with the union. She then stated that she is risk adverse. Hmm. This is a lesson for, or this is a lesson for me to read through contracts to ensure promises made and to stay in a unionized setting because it's protective. Now, that is gigantic. Now, take what we heard uh, from our first uh, listener, female, who wrote in, who was saying that they were chastising her like, hey, you, you big dummy. What are you doing writing down everything? You big dummy. We don't do that here. You must be. That's how you was raised. You know, writing down everything. We don't do all that. It's taking all these notes for. Now contrast that. White was like, ooh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to get my magnifying glass out here and read the fine. See, they left out my sign. See, see, see. That, that is huge. Anything with a job. Check the right. Especially with a new job. Because we've had that so many times where someone will say, Oh, yes, we're so excited. We are thrilled to have you on the job. You can go to the bathroom as many times a day as you like. And then they get the contract and it'll be that they told them the salary will say $135,000. We'll take that one. $135,000 salary. Oh, this is great. And then they get to the contract part and it'd be like, okay, job, salary, $35,000. You get five bathroom visits a day. Like, whoa, wait a minute. You said the salary was one hundred thirty-five thousand. I go to the bathroom as much as I wanted. Whoa! I don't know. I don't don't. bathroom as many times. That doesn't sound like me. Many bathroom trips a day. You want? Nah, nah, nah. We definitely don't do one hundred thirty-five. Nah, nah, nah. We don't. You get five trips to the bathroom per day, and we do count. Like, read the contract. It is super. I Gus T. Man, (sighs) attempting. To write about racism, white supremacy, like as a profession where you're going to be compensated for it in a system of white supremacy where you are assigned to the black classification. Oh, my God. It's not quite being a black parent, but wow, it is a really challenging occupation. It is and it pays terrible it's it's not quite black parenting but i mean it's it's up there with jobs that are just awful man gus t hired worked for this so-called black organization to write uh which i did you can look online and see many reports in the process of contract being hired freelance journalist uh like hey you need to share your reports, you know, with uh, within a certain time frame. When I say, hey, no problem. But I point out, hey, this organization, you all, your headquarters is on the East Coast. 
I'm in Seattle, Washington. There's a three-hour time difference between us, so we would kind of have to keep that in mind. Like, if we're going to be specific about time, like if you want something to be posted by such and such in the morning, like morning for you is substantially different three hours earlier than morning for me. So it's, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Okay, so we'll say just, you know, share it within 24 hours. Great, all right, awesome. Go through everything on the phone. The contract comes, and it's, you need to share everything within six hours. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's not what we said. And this wasn't like a, you know, nitpicking type of a thing with the time difference hey, this is setting Gus T up for failure because sometimes if you all publish something as a, let's just take a a regular average time. Let's say you publish this report at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. for you is 5 a.m. for Gus T. That means my window starts right now. So I have six hours. So that means if anything happens, God forbid you oversleep or you wake up And getting online is not the first thing that you do if something should happen. And 1130 is when you get this posted, you've missed the six hour deadline. I say that this is when I would easily miss this deadline just because the time difference, which I thought I explained, ended up I didn't even I literally worked my entire first stint with this organization with no contract unsigned because the contract did not match what we agreed to verbally. So I cannot emphasize enough. Read the contract. I mean, every sentence, every word, every apostrophe. Oh, I mean, if it takes you two days, it takes you two days. <laughs> you get the most comfortable spot that you can. You sit down. This is one. Hey, if you have attempted parents, this is one. I wouldn't care if you're Mr. Fuller's age. You should be proud if you still have your mental faculties. Any age, call me up and it will be my honor, my pleasure to turn off Sanford and Son Netflix and we will go over your contract together. Make sure they didn't slip something in on you or anything else. Boom. That just that alone, that would have been great. I wish my parents would have done that when I first started out working. But I mean, that is so critically important. Read they got to read the policy and procedure before you take the job. Read the contract in total before you take the job. Just that'll make sure the salary is what you say. Everything else benefits and all that is what you said, what you agreed to. Words are important. Uh, let's see. Much obliged. Our uh, person who wrote in words are super, super, super important. Uh, oh, I didn't finish the email. Dang. I thought I finished the email. I thought that was all of it. Wait a minute. <laughs> I got all excited. Let's finish. Uh, the past few weeks, the nurse practitioner has been having major outbursts about a potentially violent white male that she wanted to help. I found out several staff members have sent complaints to administration about her. The power of whiteness keeps her working here despite her erratic behavior. Now, see how frequently we hear that? Uh, Bay Area mom just said that. Now, this just happens to be uh, white women 
raging in the workplace. But I said that for years. White women are the most lawless, like just can do anything uh, in the workplace. And uh, let's see. She says, I'm happier in my workplace because the white nurse practitioner NP is spending more of her day in her office, which is not next to not next door to me. The nursing station has been a peaceful place. I no longer get interrupted by her glory. (laughs) My role as a case manager is to help my patients solve their problems and to be mentally stable. I am happy to report that I was able to help a non-white person classified as a black female from Africa. Oh, the ADOS people are boo. Uh, to find assistance with paying for and filling out paperwork for her to remain in this region. This took me months to do. Probably, you know, no accident there. She hugged me even though my code is to not touch anyone or to be touched by anyone at work. I totally endorse that code. I may have to create a code around keeping a specific amount of distance between myself and a client to prevent this from reoccurring. That awesome as well. I am also working with a non-white black female born in this region who has thoughts of killing herself that that has been so common we played that report about uh, burnout at the beginning of uh, today's broadcast so important it has been so stressful the past two and a half years basically and white supremacy racism in general but they've had so many reports about increasing suicide people having mental health issues particularly victims of white supremacy so be really mindful about this take it super serious even check in be proactive about you know people that you're concerned about or what have you that you work with or friends family but this has been widely reported and should be taken super serious Uh, she continues uh, non-white black female born in this region who had thoughts of killing herself she is conflicted with her attempted grandmother this conflict is causing her to be more depressed i discussed the ways that she can minimize contact in order to minimize conflict by walking in the park and going to her local library i will be checking in on her to see if this is helpful finally i'm working with a non-white black female born in africa with two children to find housing in the New York City area. She is currently living in a family member's living room with her children. So common. Uh, This makes me so sad. Mm -hmm. I'm trying my best to look for places that can help her find a better living situation. She is on the verge of moving to the shelter, which is sadder. Absolutely. Uh, This work is tough at times. Neely Fuller is correct when he says that we are in a pitiful position pitiful primitive stupid throwaway children as well like man when you play around with sex and the children end up at the shelter not saying she was playing around this victim in this situation but just man uh thanks for guessing the show has taught me a lot about what it means to be white and non-white in a system of white supremacy that is the goal hopefully to figure out some remedies things we can do to try to solve some of our problems thank you kindly for uh sharing um wow just man mental health that has been talked about 
Uh, it should not just be rhetoric. This has been an amazingly traumatic period. We've had so many people who've had deaths, COVID-related and otherwise. Uh, white supremacy, racism, just in general. And then all of the disruption, cows, listeners who've lost jobs because they didn't want to be vaccinated or were furloughed or had their work schedule dramatically altered. It's just been crazy uh, with everything that's been going on. So definitely be alert, be mindful of your own uh, mental health, be into... Oh, 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 oh. Um, she Cheney was formerly uh, be in Toronto I think it's designated black take me a while to adjust uh, but she talked about uh, being traumatized in the workplace and how that impacted her own mental health severely and feeling suicidal like it has been a huge problem worldwide take it seriously check on your children other attempted family members care mates check on yourself and reach out if you need help even if it's just to to talk uh i am certain because there have been so many cows listeners uh who were reaching out to be in toronto personally uh and you know called in and what have you like uh, i'm sure there are cows listeners uh who would be down uh to chat it up and do what they could might even be cows listeners in your area where you all could you know get a coffee and the weather is getting a little bit warmer. Y'all could go out for a hike and, you know, chat it up. Like, I think that can be super helpful. Uh, but yeah, reach out if you need assistance, uh, family members uh, and what have you do not just be going through a whole lot of pain and trauma and feel like you have to just do it by yourself. And it has been a very tough time period over a matter of just that alone, having all this trauma and extended indefinitely that alone just adds to it much obliged for all the folks who've written in the email is until justice at gmail.com the number is seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate uh, let's see other folks who dialed in if you have a hand up proceed can I jump in here uh, yes sir our caller in Ohio ah, how's it going Gus I see you back uh, on Twitter again For, for the time being, race soldiers have allowed me back into the Twitterverse uh, at until justice, at until justice for the time being and telling me I was banned from Twitter because I had an image of the former governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, uh, and his college exploits, either in blackface or the Klan outfit. We don't know which, but that is why I was banned. I, uh, <sighs> what to say? System of white supremacy. But yes, they have allowed me to use Twitter once again at Until Justice. Okay, Mike, because I had asked them a question about that. Um, uh, my account I, at times to use it. I've been pretty busy here lately, but. Uh, I, I shot him like an at asking him like why did you guys ban him this account because it's not like it was anything big and so I read through the uh, they have a like a link when you go when you would go to your page they'd have this link that led to 
some type of like terms of service, et cetera, et cetera. So I read through the whole thing and I couldn't find anything in there that was on your page that even matched any of those things that they said. And at best, if they're saying that picture, I would have to argue back that it actually would fall under part of what they say, uh, media reporting aspect or something like that. Like they had a, a definition in terms of something that would be considered a hate image, I guess. Cause that's what I, that's what I think from what you're telling me about the, uh, and it's actually read, I have to read a lot of that stuff before I decide to develop on people's stuff so I know what I'm dealing with with them. But that's what it appeared to be to me, that you were perfectly within bounds with inside their own rules, that the imagery was from a report or for reporting purposes. But nonetheless, man, it was good to see it. I saw your, uh, your first tweet pop back up, and that actually made it where I knew that you were still doing the book club. So I'm like, ah, oh, okay, Gus is back at it. Um, but I also wanted to say to Bay Area Mom, good job with uh, leaving your phone in the car. Uh, I hope that uh, you've gotten the school system who you're contracted with to supply you with the technology resources that you need. That way you don't have any, uh, you know, cross, I guess you'd say, pollination where you're using your personal devices to handle school stuff and then things get mixed up. Uh, that That's the angle that I take. Um to the one the to the bus driver, interesting story that I have from about twenty plus years ago. Uh was it wasn't about money, it was actually about working at a uh big box pharmaceutical company. Uh they have stores all around the country. Long story short, I was a cashier. I worked in the front. I was never even in where the uh medicine gets distributed at. Uh one day I was off and the manager called me and like, Hey, you know, uh you want to work some extra hours, you know, such and such called off. So, you know, we have extra shifts if you want to work it. Cause back then, you know, I'd be like, Hey, I pick up any shifts I can get, you know, extra money. Why not? So I'm like, yeah, I go in there. I'm there for about an hour, right? Maybe about an hour, two hours. And all of a sudden they call me to uh, the manager's office. And I, I know the manager in terms of, you know, being my boss, I walk in there, there's like two other people in there and they're like, you know, Oh, come on in, sit on down. So I go in there. I sit down, I'm like, well, what are you guys calling me back here for? And he's like, well, you know, uh, you know, such and such who works back in, in the pharmacy. I was like, oh, yeah, I know him in passing, but, you know, I don't know him like that. And they're like, well, you know, um, we just want to know, you know, what are we going to find on this videotape right here? Because uh, we have some suspicions that some things have been stolen and da-da-da-da-da. So I'm like, well, I wouldn't know because I don't work back there. So they try to do the whole of seeing if you know I was involved with something that I they never revealed what it was to me I found out later from reading the uh newspaper what, what had actually occurred but um yeah they tried the whole you know we got videotape and what are we gonna find on here you know we 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 looked at you on here and da 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 so I learned very quickly you know when the white folks come calling about you know particularly at work about oh want some extra hours don't be surprised if it's not some type of setup and for that bus driver, I give you credit because that's that's the little slick stuff they like to try. But what it turned out, this white boy was stealing tons of uh, drugs, like the pharmaceutical stuff that uh, oxycotton and Percocets and all that stuff that that uh, they manufacture. He was stealing it by like the hundreds of thousands. I think they said that he stole somewhere in the ballpark like two hundred thousand dollars worth of. Uh, Percocets and volume and all the crazy stuff. Now understand that two hundred thousand was back in two thousand one, two thousand two. 
So, I mean, if you do your adjustments today, that's probably about, what, $400,000, $5,000 worth of drugs or something like that. But nonetheless, they, they, I guess they thought I was involved in it because I was one of the, I think I was actually the only black guy, young black guy who worked there. The other black dude who worked there was an older black fella who was in a tragic arrangement and had children out of it. So, you know, he, he, was, he wasn't exactly the type to give me a heads up, like, hey, this is, this is what they think is going on. So I learned back then uh, there is no black brotherhood when you're working at these white companies, particularly when you got other uh, black folks up and in there. But um, that's about it. I just want to say congratulations, Gus. It's good to see you back on Twitter. <laughs> so sad. Much obliged. Uh, our caller in uh, Ohio. Black brother. Black brother of hell. Definitely for the workplace. No black brother. Shout to the late Sidney Poitier. Now that's a little bit more poignant uh, now that he's passed on. But... Uh, definitely for the workplace, like never, ever. We've had a few people who said that they did get like a heads up, like something was going down and black person kind of pulled them to the side and, you know, gave them what for and all that. But that, every time, like, wow, I was not expecting that. Thank you so much. I super appreciate it. But yeah, I, I'm not expecting that at all. Like the young lady that's been writing in, sometimes victims get assignments where we're supposed to be, you know, ratting out or, or reporting back on what you're up to or sabotaging your efforts and that sort of thing. So, yeah, there can be no expectation just because this person has a certain amount of melanin that we're going to be cool and they're going to have my best interest and, you know, give me the, the secret information, anything like that. Army of One, United Independent, definitely in the workplace. Uh, and he said it was a white that that is so common that coming out. What are we going to find on this video? And hey, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it won't be me stealing anything because, hey, I don't steal. So, hey, let me get my popcorn and we'll have a blast. <laughs> like, uh, and let's see what's on the video. And then they find out, oh, that looks like old Tyler from the back. <laughs> like, you mean. White Tyler? Yeah, that looks like old Tyler. Man, he's been robbing us for the last 10 years. Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, you just had, and I mean, he said this was, I think he said like 20 years ago when they called him now. What are we going to find? What's on this tape? What's on this? Man, if that's 20 years ago, now imagine what the 2022 technology is. That's the way that you have to think when you go into the workplace, when you speak, when you act <laughs> We can do all the classics. Friday, you're not even stealing boxes. Nothing. I'm here to work. I don't have any trinkets or decorations at my workstation or what have you. And I leave with only the things that I brought. Nothing else. Get a reputation for that as well. And then I would still expect for that sort of. And in fact, those type of events happen something goes missing or what have you and they come you know real stern and accusatory and you know we're gonna have an investigation and you might as well you know make it light on yourself go ahead and admit that you did it now you know that sort of thing i think the best thing that you can do there composure because i think we talked about that before the black african and i think many other folks have talked about being in workplace situations 
where the white person was like deliberately trying to upset them like and then came out later that they hadn't done anything wrong but it seemed like they were just deliberately trying to get them all angry and get into some sort of shouting confrontation and all of that for one of those they come and you know the the whole you know payroll for this week is missing and we might have to call the authorities you go ahead and tell us you did it right now you we know you did it we got the recording right here paul said he saw you do it go ahead and tell us you did it right now all of that don't start cursing and blah 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 (laughs) you know I'm sure we will be able to investigate to get to the bottom of this and I will be vindicated, but I've not taken anything. I'm willing to do whatever I can to help resolve this matter immediately. That is the best thing that you can do to be professional, calm in these allegations. Was that our caller in Ohio? Were you going to respond, sir? Yeah, I just want to add a little something to it. So he stole 200,000 words, and he had done it from, like, multiple locations. Now, a little bit of – when you say black male privilege, I get what you're saying. Here's a little bit of white male privilege. They had been tracking him for a while, so it's not that they didn't know who he was. So he had done this for – he. Had, I, was, I only worked there for, like, six months. Then I got another uh, better job at a financial institution. But in the period of time, he worked for, like, two, three years. So what it came to be is he's stealing all of it, but he was turning around selling it on the street to his friends. Okay, so this this white dude was, uh, you know, the I guess you say it, the way they tried to paint him out, the the boy next door type white boy played golf. You know what I'm saying? Was uh, on the cross country team, and so they were pining away trying to get the judge to give him a lesser sentence. Uh, they never revealed. Here's the thing: they never revealed what the actual money he made from what he stole. So they talk about what got stolen, 200000 worth, right? But when you, when he turns around and sells it, you don't know how much he's selling it for. They didn't talk about any of the actual networks. And he's, he's in the suburbs. Like, the kids out here, back in that day, that's when pills really started heavy in the suburbs. So that stuff was expensive. I never did anything, none of that stuff. I was never in anything like that. But just hearing how the white kids would talk about it, and they'd openly offer the stuff. So this dude, he wasn't no small-time person, but they tried to, to treat him with the, with the kids' gloves as if, like, oh, well, this is just a slight incident. This doesn't represent who he is. So I think he did something like three or to five years for that, which is absolutely crazy because, you know, there's, there's black dudes doing football numbers for, for an ounce of weed. You know what I'm saying? So that's the part I want to add in there, you know, so you can have a context of, they still tried to save his butt, in the, even though they had him red-handed on tape. So that's all. Got him red-handed. And they still came to accuse you. Been watching him. Old Tyler been killing him. As I said, for years. Been killing I mean, hey, they normally, you know, look at all that stuff. Like, wow, impact on the community. and Lives ruined. And- Give us all that drug money. What did you do with it? We're going to take your house and all that other stuff. You tainted with drug money and, you know, all the rest. That sounds like the uh, Duke lacrosse case. I've heard that all before. Much obliged. Uh, caller in Ohio. Again, you will not. Black female, black male, non-white male, non-white female. That's not going to be you. Like, whoo. They're not going to go easy. And this was just a minor transgress. I wouldn't care if it's boxes. Like I said, like, oh, no, 
it's going to be serious. So, yeah, I would just get that as a reputation. No stealing. I'm just here to be profane. All of that just goes in line with just being professional. As I say, I'm not. uh, If you can't be early, be on time. That's the way. That's just all a part of the same thing. People grow accustomed to seeing you being here. If you're supposed to be at work at 8 a.m., they're accustomed to seeing you be here at 7.45 a.m. That's just my code. Always to be 15 minutes early. That way, if something happens and I am late, got that 15-minute cushion. These are just things that are code and turn things that I talk about. I'm not here talking about sports. And, oh, my gosh. Are you watching the playoffs? Isn't it amazing who you've been at? I don't even care. I don't care if you got tickets to the finals already. Like, whatever. Like, at least on the job. That is not what I'm here to discuss. We are all professional. Let's talk about workplace, particularly when we got serious workplace things to discuss. When am I going to get a raise? Promotion. All kinds of good training, performance event. Like we got so many things. The COVID protocol updated. Are we going to be able to work from home? We got so many things to discuss, you know, probably some false allegations as well. We don't have time to talk about, you know, what you're watching on Netflix and a whole lot of other goofiness. We just don't have time for that, you know, and that's not what we're paid for. Right. Back in the question lane. Number again, seven, two, zero, seven, one, six. Seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Email is untiljustice at gmail dot com. Make sure we don't miss any emails either. Uh, other folks dialed in. If you have commentary to share, proceed. May I be heard? Our caller in Florida? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Um, I wanted to uh, start out with my first report. I have some uh, notes that I've been taking. Uh, The first report is from another victim of racism. Uh, She said that her white female supervisor was in her office, I guess, uh, using a phone to check her security camera, I guess. And she made a fuss about these three black children getting off of the uh, school bus, I guess you could see from the camera. And it looks like it was a cat, a cat or some animals or something running around. And then she uh, made up this story like they were trying to break into her house or something like that. And they had on these varsity jackets. So they were in high school. And she was never able to prove that they actually did something. But somehow she got them off of the... um varsity team at their school by I don't know if she called up to that school or whatever but she lives in one of the um, nearby towns or whatever so the black female was trying to uh, speak up in a way of saying that these black children didn't do anything to break into her house but she was saying it looks like that's what 
they were doing. So I never really heard no update on that. But um, I think it was racism, a part of that. Uh, because she was, it seemed like she was going in on a stereotype on uh, black males. And uh, she also was pointing out that her, the guy that, that she, <laughs> that she uh, is married to, she tries to make it seem like she isn't racist or she likes to say that way. Okay. But she did call him racist one time and has a picture with her two sons um, wearing a Confederate hat. Like what they like, they like to say redneck down here. So um, they say the Confederate flag and my next report is the recent newsletter is the first one where the uh, the new HR person, I have to give her a code name, I ain't figured it out yet, but she's a new HR that they like to say is a nice person and everything. Uh, the, like her style of doing the newsletters, the, the circuit writers, it still is looking tacky because the black person, this is the second time I've noticed this, they used the black person's image after she was finished running the, uh, the marathon. She went out and ran a marathon with the other courthouse employees. So they cropped out that image. And it was, once again, it wasn't clear. It wasn't a sharp image that was, uh, a decent represent representation of her appearance. But when you contrast it to the white, people and because this is a part where they talk about the milestones of how many years people have been there and they'll have an image thumbnail and their name beneath it so the white people including the warden herself she's standing by the door pointing out you know uh the sign where it says chief deputy but she's retired but see they made sure they appealed to her ego um and it was reported to me that a white person pointed out, hey, did you see this image of you in the the current newsletter? I don't think that that's not a good looking picture of you. So, uh, uh, so the, the black person was like, yeah, but, you know, it's whatever, whatever. So I guess she was kind of nonchalant. But uh, white people know that they're practicing the racism. And it was reported to me also that the person, white man, the warden number two, he took he took the first warden's place. And see, he used to work to the other building that's named after the black judge. He came over to our building, built in the late seventies. Now he's saying that this like this building over here is way different than the uh criminal courthouse building. So our building is really well, you know, well, a lot of the clan women at the clique. So I think that's what he meant from what I'm hearing. It's a more tougher uh, set of employees because they don't have a lot of those issues from what I get the reports of at the other building. Um, there was a, a, I think I told, I think I said about what that, joke the uh the black child said last week 
If I didn't, it was a joke about Batman or something like that. Um, but then after that, the older brother, he went to go take his picture. And the younger black child said something about him not looking happy. And then he said, what? I thought you said blackie. So I was like, that's an interesting way of uh, responding to him making that comment. Um, and then another another comment was made by the white woman who uh, is in a tragic, well, no, the black male in a tragic arrangement with the white woman. Okay. She came in. Now, it was just Mother's Day, what they call Mother's Day, a couple of days ago. And on Monday, the black female called called in and couldn't make it. So Tuesday, she was saying that uh, I guess they had this stomach bug or, you know, whatever it was. They had a, a sick issue. They were sick. And the white woman says, oh, well, you was poisoning those kids on on Mother's Day. I told you. I told you, you poisoning those kids or whatever. So the two black females, they're talking to each other. They didn't respond to what the white woman was saying. So this is the so-called white friend, right? Now, I know, Gus, I know you mentioned about those two words um, together. So she she has called the black female her white friend, you know, um, like, for instance, uh, she moved into the black female moved to a new town and her cat ran away. So I guess this white person knew about that. They probably was texting and she had the nerve to say, um, yeah, well, next time you'll listen to your right, your white friend. So whatever that meant, I guess she was trying to say the black person and intelligent. or don't know how, don't know about, uh, keeping, you know, cats or whatever. So, I just wrote all of that down. Um, and my, my last one is uh, that they had a, a recent COVID update and one of the, the, the juvenile uh, uh, department supervisor, apparently that's how we found out that was exposed, I guess, to her husband having um testing positive for COVID and it comes to find out this is his fourth time getting COVID, right? So these are, uh, to use some metaphors like MAGA, Trump supporters, because I, I just hear how she's talked about um, voting for Trump and DeSantis and all of that. So uh, they definitely are part of that racist clique. And she's depressed that that the warden is left because she's helped her too. So one of them, it's either her or these two other white women trying to be the next Klan leader. So uh, those are observations I've been having recently. And, and that's all I have to share. Thank you. That is so crazy. Good Lord. Much obliged. Uh, caller in Florida. We, I've said this for a long. I feel like we have way underreported on just the impact of COVID nineteen in turn even people that you know if you can't dial in live per se, um, drop an email until justice at gmail dot com. Like my goodness, like there's so many people. Uh, like 
who wrote, talked, had something to say about Goofy, all that craziness with Will Smith and uh, Chris Rock, like workplace racism is substantially more important just on how COVID-19 has impacted the workplace over the past two and a half years. Uh, I think that is so important. Uh, And saying that her husband has contracted the virus four times, like (laughs) WTH, is that even possible? Like what in the world? (laughs) Four times, like, whoa, with, why don't you have some sort of immunity by that? What what is going on? Like, uh, that's just amazing. Um, I mean, has she quarantined every time? Like, what in the world? Like, uh, are they still not convinced that this is real? Are they still not, you know, still not taking this serious? Sit down, put your mask on, all the rest of it. Like, I mean, and then. To have hear a report like that and every other day is oh my goodness the negras oh the negras the negras the negras are not vaccinated you know nurse rivers you know the negras don't want to get vaccinated oh what am I to make of that jeez four times uh, Florida is crazy uh, let's see let me back up so he started off he said the suspected racist white woman she's in I guess checking her phone or what have you and and makes up this whole uh, racist narrative oh my lord these nigger children breaking into my house and and all the rest of it and this goes so far she's such a racist she gets them kicked off of the varsity like school team like are you serious (laughs) like when there's not even evidence that there was a robbery like that, you know, it looks like that that's not even what was going on. Incidentally, that's another reason right there to talk to your children like you are under surveillance at all times. Like that's the way that you should be thinking. It sounds like they weren't even they were just, you know, out having fun doing whatever. They weren't even, you know, on any sort of criminal enterprise. But that's the way that we have to think and behave. We are under surveillance and assumed to be looters, muggers, thieves, pickpockets, all the rest of it. Um, so she and, and even the power of that, like I'm a white woman, civil servant. I'm looking on my phone and I can make up something. Is there a crime? Like, you know, what, what what's going on? We don't even get any evidence of all that. And I can just call the school and hey, they should be, you know, punished. This didn't even happen. It's, it's, they should be punished. And that's that. They're kicked off the team. Like, are you serious? That's the sort of thing. We talked about Barry mom, pool, uh, school to prison pipeline, you know, stuff and full of uh, lunchables and yelling and, you know, all the rest of it that they're talking about. You can't go to the bathroom. All the rest of it. That right there setting you up for prison. That right there. Will you go in? And, I'm, hey, I'm trying to get you into the system right now. And. I'm going to get you kicked off of the the sports team. Retired firefighter talks all the time. Yes, football is brain damage. Yes, 
protect your brain computer but I at least try to use this that way I can connect this might be sometimes the only rapport that they have with a, a person who's talking constructive might try to talk to them about racism white supremacy and some other constructive things that will help them in their life for years to come that might have been the type of environment that they had on that varsity team and then that's and not even for a good reason just for a racist lie like are you serious that's the sort those type of events end up having like a lifelong traumatic impact on a child like they end up remembering that 40 50 years like telling their grandchildren about this incident what a disgrace all the way through um let's see then Oh, I lost some. oh, here we go. Okay, so okay, this, back to the newsletter. This is legend. Like for anybody, if you have newer uh, listeners, where they have their little tacky uh, newsletter at the courthouse, uh, where they'll put uh, our black male here, they'll put him in sometimes, or I think they had some black children who came to the courthouse. Was, oh, look at the little nigger children. Let's put them in. Uh, and I think he even had this theme before. I think he said one. They had it was a black female. They had some tacky holiday and it's, oh she's got the, the, the tackiest costume or the worst costume let's put that in the, the news yes look at that black person with the worst costume ever yes and then to come back and do the same thing here put a black person in there but get some you know real poor quality image and put that even have other people like dang they, they got you in the newsletter but they didn't they didn't exactly get a, a, a flattering photo hmm, I don't I don't know why they and then you just go <laughs> I, they didn't ask me if I had a photo that, and I mean that's like really now I mean come on you could have went and got a good photo for the first like hey you know we want to feature you in the newsletter show off everybody like give us give us one of your glam shots or you know whatever so you'd be funny blah 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 and all that, or at least give us one that's HD right so to be clear eh, we'll get this one got her you know looking crazy or whatever yeah yeah put that one in there it's not it's kind of blurry that's alright just put her in there yeah doesn't get any better than tacky and I would even I would save the newsletter over the years so you can point that out because that sort of thing can be powerful imagery right you just want to like look at the representation of black people in the newspaper and am I to think that this is by accident like right now do they have these type of ridiculous images poor quality images of white people in the newspaper why is it that it's only the dark people that oh my god what is this where people they don't come and say oh I saw you in the newsletter they got such a good picture you've been working out you look so good nah, nah, nah. It's coming. wow you look toe back in that photo my goodness I don't know what happened there jeez mm. that's one of those vindictive too where I would suspect white people because I think he had said before some of these click members they had a black female who worked there who had her like summer dress some time ago and she posted it online and they went and posted it and then they were the same ones to come back sabotaging her later that sort of vindictiveness they're not gonna have you especially if you've been drinking your water not eating Cheetos going out doing some yoga hiking so you got that nice trim I'm ready for summer figure right, nah, nah, we're not trying to let's get this cloudy poor image put that in there uh, let's see the the blackie comment all those little like I don't even know what you want to call it, Freudian slips whatever we want to phrase those all of those like when I say there's no coincidences or anything like that like 
Hmm. Blacky indeed. Hmm. Uh, let's see. The white friend said, previously stated, we talked about this for years, the dangers of white friends. So I guess whatever happens where, you know, someone has to call out for a day or what have you, and the white friend, the response is, I told you about poisoning all those children on Mother's Day. Like, what? What are you? What? We're in a court of law. Who even who even jokes like that? Much less in a workplace. I mean, we could be anywhere. But who even plays like that? Poisoning children? Like what? I'm so glad to hear nobody even said anything like that's when you don't even get a mm, like. I'm just going to watch my nonverbal so that I'm not, you know, <laughs> looking too crazy. I'm like, well, I will talk to you all later. Back to work. End of conversation. Uh, let's see. The And then all of this continues. See, it's just tackiness on top of. This is my white friend. And he said that they had been talking, I guess, about this kid. And that's why I said there's nothing to talk about. We're not talking about anything. Pets, children, vacations, hairstyles, wardrobe, nothing but the job. They somehow venture off into pets and we bend up right back in the same territory. Oh, you know, little fluffy escape. I told you. See, that's what happened. You need to listen to your white friend. Now, that is astounding because I mean, frequently white people just don't go around and oh, I'm white. Did I tell you I'm white? I'm white. I'm white. You need to listen to the white person. Like, wow, (laughs) because I mean that right we just had a guest on the program on Monday. He said, hey, I don't go around telling niggers what to do. I, that's, I just don't do that. That's just crazy. I said, that's so in- We said that. That's so interesting because any other time, white people, they will tell you, in a minute, hey, this is what you had better do with Fluffy. Well, I don't know. Why that- <clears throat> now, see, now, now the cat's gone. See, didn't I tell you? Next time you will listen to your white friend before when I didn't really think anything about white supremacy racism that wouldn't have meant anything I would have probably laughed like oh you're so funny Helen ha 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 but I mean that like wow this is the time where you want to make sure to be explicit this is not just listen to your friend she could have just said hey, somebody told you that what's, what's the little tacky friend I told you so no 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 Next time you'll listen to your white <laughs> friend. I hey, Gussie Wussy for thirteen years. Today is the thirteenth. For thirteen years, I've said one of the most dangerous word combinations in the known universe. White friend. She put them together. And it's you had better listen to white because sometimes they get real upset when it seems like you want to do some thinking on your own. You want to use your own brain. No, no, no. I got it, Helen. I know how to take care of a kid. What? You know? You Okay. 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 Hmm. I wonder if this is the white woman married to a black male. I wonder if that's how her household runs. Hmm. Oh, can I say something? Let's hear it. 
Yeah, yes, yeah, sir. Now that you mentioned that, she she referenced the the black male that is her so called fiance. Um, is saying that this this boy want me to get him an Easter basket. So he's my he's like my fourth child. So I was like, wow, because <laughs> she has three um, female offspring with a black male. And now this uh, black male that she's about to marry now, back when the Easter holiday was uh, was happening, she said that, oh, girl, you know, this, this boy actually want me to get him an Easter basket, get him some candy. He's like a fourth child of mine. So I said, huh, that's interesting. And and the black person, I do think, was confused with how she responded with it. Um, but yeah, she 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 has been saying that, like, oh well, you just gonna go on your fifteen minute break without me? Oh, that's uh, that's okay. Just leave a little white girl behind. And who's that white? Who's that white girl in the picture that you posted? And then the black person, the black female, says, oh, which one? Oh, it was more than one. So obviously, I'm thinking it's mostly black people in the image, but you only concerned about the white person. You only want to be the epitomized so-called white friend. So she's practicing racism like constantly. See that and that going through your pictures and things. That's why I said I wouldn't be, you know, homies on social media or anything where they're, you know, looking and seeing who you, you know, socialize with or anything like that. Like nothing I've never seen where anything constructive uh, happens with anything of the sort. Um, and even all of that emphasis, you know, you're going on that. <laughs> we are not in high school. I don't need someone to walk me to class, to the bathroom, the board i mean are you serious <laughs> like we are not teenagers like come on even even that i would say that's that is infantilizing right there like come on yeah. there's nobody you know like i'm sure you have people that you, your mother works there for goodness sake now you want to talk about something i'm sure your mom doesn't come by all right sweetie come on are you ready to go to the bathroom i have 15 minutes we can go <laughs> Are you serious? Like, come. I think I, I got it. I got it. I love you too, but I got it. Why are we taking breaks together? I don't need you to walk me down. I'm like, come on. And the same thing with it. Next time you'll listen to your white girl. Who is this white guy? I can't come on. Come on. All the as he's practicing. I wouldn't have seen that either. But again, you don't understand racism, white supremacy, what it is, how it works. Everything else will confuse you because he he even said when the whole little tacky anecdote, whoever this black male is, she's her tragic arrangement or whatever, uh, that he wanted an Easter basket, that those holidays are powerful. White people get mad at you if you don't celebrate Christmas and old Bugs Bunny and all the rest of it. They get mad. Memorial Day coming up. They get an attitude if you don't want to watch a John Wayne flick or two. Then. You, all right, I'm, I'm I'm all the way in. Let's do the Christmas tree, and I want a chocolate bunny. Let's do the Easter. Oh my God, this boy! 
wants me to get him an Easter egg. He's just like one of my other children. That's a, see, that's how she treats all the black people. Apparently, they're just little boys and gals, all of them. This gal that she works with, the boy that she's whatever, tragic arrangement, uh, is just boys and gals, all of them. Not men and women, but we already knew that. But he said she didn't seem like she knew how to take it. And that's, man, Gus T, so many of us, especially when we're not really seriously thinking about white supremacy, racism, what it means to be white. You get these kind of incidents and it might even just be that word boy like, huh, something. I don't know. Boy, is that? Hmm. But you don't really know what to say. Like, should I say something about that? Maybe she's just joking. I don't know what to think. Hmm. Being confused. She's not confused. She knows exactly what she's doing. Manipulating her so-called friend. And as I said, that's the exact dynamic. Everybody here, this boy, this gal, they had better be listening to this white woman. Generally, the way that it goes super dangerous no white friends in the no friends people we're not here to make friends but definitely no white friends in the workplace and that's the type of thing where i say hey you're an army of one because she might be the cool talking about the black female she might be the coolest person ever let's say she makes the best vegan food does yoga uh everything you know be the best person to hang out with ever super courteous and all that but if I am too loose lipped with you, you go back and end up talking to this race soldier or we talked about this one, too. You end up posting something that, you know, we talked about or whatever on social media or a picture of us or whatever. And then you're friends with this white woman. And boop, there we go. That's why I said it's really got to be careful just because this person is non-white doesn't mean they're a friend. They might have lots of white homies and all that lots of things to think about before you you know start opening your mouth and doing a whole lot of reckless chit chat uh, with individuals in the workplace uh, let's see anything else white woman is depressed that the warden left probably you know that all that nepotism and cronyism and hookups and everything else I'd probably be sad too if I had somebody who was really powerful there who could do all kinds of things make sure I don't get in trouble and make sure I get first dibs on all the goodies and what have you that are going down in the workplace like I would be uh, devastated if that person was dipping us they've been hanging out there for 35 years like oh my god like this is the worst day ever like oh my god we're gonna be telling nigger jokes for at least a good three months till we get over this like man uh let's see any any other folks comments they need to get in almost at our conclusion here i guess we can be done if folks are satisfied anything else folks need to uh, get in everybody satisfied all good certainly not all good but you know at least content for today uh, we'll be here tomorrow. Uh, our compensatory call in normal time, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we'll catch up on what has gone down the last seven days or so uh, on the plantation. Uh, lots to report. We should also be here Sunday for the Global Sunday Talk on Racism. Uh, and Tuesday, uh, we should have another white man on the program, but we'll you know chat about all that 
uh, tomorrow. Uh, anywho, everybody satisfied? We didn't miss anyone. Got everyone. Grand. Much obliged for folks tuning in and the folks who wrote in. Hopefully worthy of your Friday evening. Uh, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. Didn't hear, thankfully, didn't hear anything about happy hour or anyone being having their arm twisted to go out for drinks and all that other nonsense. Uh, hey, we need high functioning brain computers to solve our problems. Uh, in addition to being sober, uh, if you're out and about, this is not a time for confrontations with strangers. You should be thinking that he, she could be armed. They could have an armed entourage. If you didn't leave your residence, prepare to kill and or die. Exit. If you're in a vehicle, you are sober, buckled up, not on the cell phone. We need all of our attention uh, to be mindful about what's happening around us. And we are trying to do all that we can, small things at least, to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. All of that said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately no name calling no gossiping especially in the workplace man that that is so uh, rampant and encouraged on jobs no gossiping no reckless production of non-white offspring as well that's a big one that we can do that would greatly speed up the process of producing justice I think man they have race soldiers they do so much damage and take advantage of so many victims throw away children foster care and all the rest school systems and all of that that is an enormous one really putting great time and energy before we get to the bedroom no throw away children Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Hey, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Yeah.